<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? Uh, since we're in the in the thick of the summer, I think it's a, a now officially with this episode the start of the sleepy summer series. Just meaning this is a delightful and laid back chat with my new friends, Shovels. Mm? Is it mm or and? It's it's and. Shovels and Rope is what I'm going to say. This is the band Shovels and Rope, who are incredible. And I uh, had the privilege of doing a show with the two of these guys at um, Live From Here, uh, which is the uh, NPR show that Chris Thiele, also who did the show, uh, hosts. And we got along great. They told me they listened to the show. We uh, stayed in touch. And I said, next time you're in L.A., Uh, Let's do the podcast, and here we are. This is the episode. At the end of this intro, we'll play one of their songs in case you're not familiar with Shovels and Rope. I know, if you're like me, I'm frustrated all the time. I don't know how to find good new music, and this definitely fits the bill. They're incredible, so I hope this uh, is a a great episode and introduces you to a wonderful new band. Um, I do want to plug a couple stand-up dates and some live You Made It Weirds that I have coming up. If you're listening to this the day it comes out um, tomorrow, uh, I'm doing stand-up at Largo for my Pete Holmes Living at Largo shows um, on July 18th. Go to Largo-LA.com for tickets. Those are always the highlight of my month. Largo is my favorite place to perform, and we always stack the bill with some of my favorite performers and musicians. Tomorrow, I know for a fact that the Milk Carton Kids... Uh, are going to be the music guests on that. So also great music there. And incredible, incredible guest stand-ups that uh, some of them I can't announce. It's, it's going to be a great show. Uh, I'm also doing that again on August 29th. Uh, if you can't make July and you're going to be in L.A., August 29th is the other Living at Largo show. If you are a Canadian weirdo or if you have plans to be in Montreal, I'm going to be there for the Just for Laughs Fest July 24th through 28th. Uh, look up Just for Laughs website if you want to come to the live You Made It Weird. I think the stand-up shows might be sold out, but maybe there's some tickets to the live You Made It Weird, which I think is going to be wonderful. I do want to give a shout-out to the Pete's Picks. Uh, as you guys know, I don't do uh, traditional ads anymore now that we're independent. I only promote products that I use and love every single day. First and foremost, I'm holding it right here, is uh, is my Alpha Brain by Onnit. Alpha Brain is a nootropic, which means it's a basically a vitamin for your noodle. It's like fish food for your ideas, for your creativity. It's not a stimulant like coffee. It's just earth-grown nutrition and clinically proven nutrition to help you think. It helps you with memory helps you with focus. And for the past four or five years now, I haven't done stand-up before without taking Alpha Brain beforehand. I haven't done uh, written a script. I haven't done a podcast. And as I always say, sometimes I'll just take a couple before I go to a party or go on a date with Val. And I just want to not feel jittery, like stimulated, but feel like my brain has what it needs to operate cleanly, to access my memories, to access my thoughts, to access my humor, to access my creativity. And it it just helps me speak and communicate. And I love the feeling of being able to communicate a thought clearly. Um, That to me is a good hang for me when my brain is firing. And obviously as a creative person, I find it incredibly useful for my work. I wish I had it in college. Um, I wish I had it in high school. Um, as, uh, so if you want to give it a try, they also have other wonderful products by Onnit. Go to onnit.com slash weird and you will get 10% off your, uh, your first purchase or I think anytime you purchase. Yeah, anytime. Short-term memory, certified drug-free, 
task-based focus. I love it. It's one of the original Pete's Picks for a reason. I love Alpha Brain. Show your support of this podcast and try some Alpha Brain. Go to onnit.com slash weird. I also get in the powder, which I feel gets into my blood a little bit faster. Uh, the other, the original Pete's Pick right here on my desk. You can't hear it as well. That's my Charlotte's Web hemp oil. Charlotte's Web hemp oil, obviously, you hear the word hemp, you think weed. It's made from the hemp plant, but they use science to remove the THC and leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. I know CBD is kind of like a hot thing right now, but the reason I love the Stanley Brothers uh, and their product, Charlotte's Web, is because it's made from hemp, but it's made from hemp that is grown food grade in Denver for human consumption. So it's not just some mass, anonymous, bulk-purchased hemp from who knows where and for God knows what. It is hemp grown specifically by the Stanley Brothers for medicinal and medical reasons. Uh, it's, it's named after Charlotte, a young girl who was having seizures, and the only thing that would help, or one of the things that helped her the most, I think, was CBD oil. For me personally, CBD is a wonderful stress reliever. It's a wonderful anxiety reducer. It does help me settle in when I'm trying to sit down and focus and work. It helps me with stress, helps me manage my stress. It's certainly not an intoxicant, but it helps me smile a little bit faster, helps me laugh a little bit easier, helps me get into the groove of whatever it is I'm trying to do. Uh, it, it, it's like, like I said, it's not like weed. It, do, it doesn't take you out of the game. It helps you zero in on what you're doing. You can still hold a conversation. I'm terrible on weed. Uh, you can still watch a movie. You can still read a book. Um, and I, I, I swear by it. It's really kind of hard to describe what it does. Um, but I try, uh, I tell everybody what the best thing to do is to just give it a try. Go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use, this is a new promo code. It's keep it crispy 19. Um, I like the original formula. I like mint chocolate. It's, uh, it's, it tastes like a thin mint, makes you feel better than a thin mint. And they also have bombs. If you want to get some hemp on you topically, wonderful for soothing your skin, get that stuff on you. You'll see what I'm talking about when you try it. And you'll show, as I say, you'll show your support of our show. Last and certainly not least, I had it for breakfast this morning, is, I, it was actually more of a lunch. Cachava. Cachava. K-A-C-H-A-V-A. Cachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix that is made from nutrient-rich superfoods revered by tribal cultures for centuries. It is a nutrition Overload. It couldn't be easier. You take a shake bottle or just a glass. You put a couple scoops of cachava in there. Maybe the chocolate. Maybe a scoop of the chocolate. Maybe a scoop of the vanilla. Tastes like an Oreo. Makes you feel... I'm going to say it again. Makes you feel better than an Oreo. It's 100% plant-based. Same jokes. It's 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s, but not from... As I always picture just some anonymous barrel of weird bottom-feeding fish. It's from chia seeds. It's from flax seeds. You're getting your omega-3s from plants. It's got eight super fruits. It's got 17 greens and veggies. It's one of the reasons I love it. It's very hard to eat healthy, especially when I'm traveling. So you know Kachava is going to be with me when I'm going to Montreal. It's hard to get those greens. There's 17 in there. It's gluten-free, soy-free, no artificial sweeteners. It tastes great, though, because they put just enough coconut nectar in there. It's a low glycemic sweetener and coconut milk in there. So the coconut milk powder mixes with the water, makes it chocolatey and creamy and delicious. It's got 1,000 milligrams of adaptogens, 24 grams of plant-based protein, 9 grams of fiber, and the kicker, as I always say, it tastes 
absolutely delicious. It's not kind of good, it's really good. This isn't just like niche health food stuff. This is something that everybody I've given it to. I just gave some to my friend Science Mike, gave some to Michael Gunger, and they love it. You can throw some frozen strawberries in there, you can throw some uh, nut milk, almond milk, regular milk, whatever you want. It makes you feel amazing. It's a meal and a pill. I didn't know this, but a lot of people use it for uh, weight management. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it does. I understand that. It's, it's healthy, and it keeps you full for hours. So if you want, show your support of the show and try some cachava. You get 20% off if you go to kachava.com slash weird and show your support of the show. All right, guys, that's it. We're going to hear from Shovels and Rope here at the end. This is their song, unknown legend if you like it throw them on spotify and listen to them the rest of the day uh like i'm going to and in the meantime enjoy the first of the sleepy summer series my chat with my new friends shovels n rope get into it
in. This isn't disappointing. This is great. <laughs> Should I shut this? You can for sound. You guys know sound. <laughs> Desperate for common ground. You guys know sound. Here, come get comfy however you want. Good. And we only have one set of headphones for you guys. We can just see I don't talk in a southern accent because I've been watching your movie, which is so good. Oh, you got to see our 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 shovels and rope the movie movie. The ballad of oh the ballad oh, of shovels yeah, and rope yeah. Up. What do you mean? There's a movie movie. Oh well, well so we have recently made a um, another like film project, and we did a we basically recorded two shows back to back in Asheville, North Carolina, the Orange Peel, and then. Um, the guy that shot it. The had, name of the club is the Orange Peel. Yeah, it's a great I didn't club. Know if Forever Asheville Nashville. is now known as the Orange Peel. No. You know, the Orange Peel of America. <laughs> the Orange okay. Peel of America. No, I get you. In the mountains of North. So there's n- another movie, but yeah. it's a concert film. It's more of a, it's a concert film, but, but this guy made a narrative. He like wrote a script and was like, "Let's put a narrative." There's on. a narrative woven through uh, the show, and so it kind of it's like starts out with this guy down on his luck, and he's trying to get into the show. And then it explains his story a little bit as it moves on, and then we play some songs, and then, um, you know, we later on there's a like a little bit of a meta part where we speak to him through his television while he's watching the uh, while he's watching the uh, the, the concert film. Yeah. It's yeah. all very like B movie no looking eighties kind of homemade with local actors from Charleston, so it's, it's cool. So, and I, I didn't I I wondered if that's what you'd seen because I know like our publicist has been like talking about it and stuff but the but the movie that you're talking about is our doc, our documentary thing that we made when our career was very 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 new and and it was wild that that thing got like that that moment in our lives was recorded well that was my question as a yeah. showbiz jerk i was like somebody has to know band futures i don't know anything about this stuff yeah sure. but somebody has to go like the movie starts with you guys playing and getting some accolades but then it goes two years earlier and you guys are playing like a bar show or a restaurant show or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why were they following you guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who? Well, you could tell me. Whose idea was it to be like, I bet in two years. Because <laughs> like, how many bands are starting every day? It yeah. was, That was weird. It was, I know you guys had solo careers, so tip of the tip of the hat noted. <laughs> right, right. But, like, you can't predict that no. two and it, solo and careers it wasn't meant to. It was, it, I think it was, the whole point was we had taken some pictures with these guys, the moving picture boys. They're filmmakers in Nashville, Tennessee. Super cool guys. You definitely like they're doing way cool stuff. Um, I would like. I'm glad you're playing them because as I was watching a movie, I was like, "Where is the AI that will help us find good things?" Because as soon as Val and I started watching the movie, we're like, "This is what we want to be watching. Oh, we want to watch this kind of stuff." The people it's that, so yeah. good. Oh. It's so well made. You guys are magnificent, mm-hmm. but it's also just really, really well done. And I'm like. Those this was guys. just hiding on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I said to the old Apple TV, I said, uh, "Ballad of uh, Shovels and Rope." Half expecting it wouldn't even show it. Like it's like, sorry, that doesn't exist. Because why isn't some computer? Look at how spoiled I am. But a computer should be telling me, like, yeah. "Hey, you like the you like music documentaries." It's a shortcoming in the algorithm. Yeah, yes. it is ridiculous. It's a shortcoming in. Yes, yeah, sorry. It's fr- no, it's extremely frustrating. It we is. talk about it all the time. It's like, what am I looking at? They need to. When are they going to do? When are they going to update this? I want a Total Recall style yeah. AI woman that comes in and goes. <laughs> 
hi, you liked Mistaken for Strangers. You should watch The Ballad of Shovels and Rope, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Or the yeah. new the Scorsese. I know yours isn't on uh, Netflix, is it? It's not. We didn't even know you were able to, you know, pull it up on. You can. It's on Hulu, iTunes. Hulu, I thought. Is uh, it? It's on. Oh, it's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. I bought it. Okay. You bought it. You're so nice. Shell out cash. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's wonderful. And keep going. Well, the guys, just to you know, the moving picture boys. It's worth kind of going on and on about them because, you know, they were they did a lot. We worked together a lot, and um, they've gone on to make apparently this incredible documentary that's been shown. All over, it's like going to all the places where the big films are going, and yeah. it's shaking up the world because of they followed the Nashville homeless population that's encamped kind of in the forest. And they're like trying to like keep their very organized, safe little world where they're like homeless and, and free and like holding it down in the woods. But you know they're being bulldozed out. That's camping. It's different. Camping, it except, is different. except when somebody says they own I'm not the land and you funny. have to kick yeah, them I off. I see what you're saying. And I haven't seen the film yet. I'm really excited to. Our manager, Paul, who you just met, was um, telling us about it. And those guys are always doing stuff like that, like making – like they've got so much heart and so much aesthetic beauty in what they do. So And they know how to call a good story. I mean th- that yeah. Homeless in the Woods story sounds really interesting too. So that brings us back to why – obviously you're fantastic – but the problem is there's so many fantastic mm-hmm. people. This is the same problem we're having with TV mm-hmm. and your movie. We could say the same problem with finding music. You know what I mean? We can get very frustrated. I was joking with Val that there's a there's a bench ad in our in the neighborhood that says like the Rack and Touras and it's Jack White's other band. Mm-hmm. And I see that and I just get overwhelmed. I'm like, he has another band. <laughs> I, I have to listen to this other band too. Like there's still White Stripes albums that I haven't listened to. I'm like, he just has more shit. Yeah. And like that's getting out there. And and because he's in it, like it gets a bench ad. You know what I'm saying? Let's not get uh, snooty. I'm just saying like it's, it's hard. hard to find stuff. So who were these people and why did they pick you so when we did you know we we had just decided to be this band we were like we we decided that that if our solo careers took off the way that we kind of had wanted them to um we wouldn't ever see each other it was just like this doesn't make any sense. So that wasn't plan A. Like, you didn't want that. You guys are the best. Can I tell you something a little fun? I kept crying during the movie. Oh. Not... Well, it's because you're a dad now. That's Maybe. I didn't get to the end. Mm. Unfortunately, I only found out about it this morning, so I only saw an hour of it. Aww. I'm going to finish it for fun. It's cool. Had I known, I would have watched it earlier. But anyway, I, I was very moved by it. It was very beautiful, and clearly you guys love each other, so this is a really sweet extension of that. Mm-hmm. What, what was coming through in the movie was that you didn't want to just... You have to be like the architect of the type of life you want to have. So you guys... We're predicting, like, wait, if we both break as solo artists, you finish the thought. Why am I answering for you? Yeah, no, it's true. It's, we, we're worth feeling like... Um, Success could destroy our family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what they mean when they're like, you'll sell your soul for the, for, to play the fiddle. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's the literal expression of that. Yeah, because like, it, costs, it costs so much. I mean, yeah. I'm, I can't imagine how much it hurts to be away from your wife and child who you love so much when you have to tour comedy. Yeah. It can be really hard. This comedy is lo- looks so lonely from TV. Just watching what people. Well, there's no do. band. Yeah, you should yeah. fail. There. We're up there alone. Yeah. At least I have to imagine you guys uh, during a rough show. Maybe you we can tell each me. Other. You look at each other and you're like, "Whoa, man!" Just yeah, like <laughs> just the other day we did a thing at No Name and um, 
it was like i don't know stuff out here in la is always a little bit weird it doesn't feel like all the rest of the shows you know yeah and um for the obvious reasons <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're like looking we're at just... each other for for the first five songs or something like are you okay? Yeah. Are, I think okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? okay? Was the audience just not giving you much back? They were giving. They were. We just it just didn't feel like um down home. Well, it didn't feel bad. I should let me let me first say that it didn't feel bad. It felt um different and our equipment was a little bit different. We had stripped down our songs that we've been spending a lot of time making bigger and bigger and more in cin- cinematic. I mean, basically, if you see a shovels and rope show, it's Two people singing all the time. All of our arms and legs are moving at the same time. And there's all these noises. And you're like, where are these noises coming from? They're coming from our bodies doing stuff. <laughs> you know? And uh, and so we stripped it all down. And, and, and Wait, then you didn't it, even have that. We didn't. We had we had our little a drum, little, what, little drum kit situation and our keyboard. It wasn't stripped all it the way down. It wasn't all the way stripped down. But it was we like an, an environment <laughs> where... We kind of thought it was going to be more of like a rock and roll show with a with more energy in the room, and it was more like a, you know, people were leaning on things, coffee shoppy kind of, <laughs> no. and it, which is fine. Like I, no. I like playing shows like that, yeah. but we didn't, th- we didn't, we weren't expecting you went it, and in it became with, something totally. I part of me can envy musicians because you don't need the feedback every couple uh, seconds audibly, but you are getting that feedback the whole song visually and, and maybe like there's a tone that that mm-hmm. energy creates yeah. like just people seeing people leaning that has to be hard i've never really considered that too much to think that that must be a bummer for people to be like and especially la la i'll, I'll say this you guys can stay uh, squeaky clean and continue to work los angeles <laughs> but it can be a lot of it's like a me town you know what I mean? It's not like a good wee town. Well, like I think I can say I have good uh, something r- good to say in the sense that it's different for us now. You know, if you look at the young people that are in the Battle of Shovels and Rope, for example, not quite newlyweds. You know, we're probably like four or five years under our belts. We had like a going enough. We were going enough concern that we were touring two hundred nights a year, and we had. Our own, we were selling our own CDs and we were making a living. All our bills were paid. We didn't know anybody, nothing. We didn't have to have a label or a manager, anything like that. It was so like gritty, like him and me against the world. Da, 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 da. And fast forward to now, when we come to LA, it's cool and fun and we're like getting to do cool stuff. But like we got our stuff in place, you know, like we have. In so a lustrous career, there's not so much pressure to be like, yeah. "Oh man, I just saw the, I just saw that guy leave." You know, oh, is man. that the guy? Was that, that the A and R guy? <laughs> the A and R man. Was that the music supervisor for the show? In that Tom Petty song, it took me <laughs> 20 years of hearing it before I realized he was saying, "Their A and R man says I don't hear a single." You know what, I'm what did about? you think he was saying? I thought he was saying some famous guy in L.A. like A-R-Man. Larry and R man. <laughs> Oh, the, the famous yeah. producer Larry and Arman says, I don't hear a single. The future is <laughs> wide open. <laughs> it was their A and R man. Anyway, so you're saying you're at a different place. You're not as, you don't have a knife between your teeth yeah. jumping on another pirate ship. That's right. I feel oh, the I same love, way. I love that. <laughs> Why? Look, Don't I've be scored mad twice. We town, we town. Oh, if you put that in your lyrics, <laughs> I'd be so honored. <laughs> remember that thing Pete said? No, don't remember. Not. In fact, let's stop talking about it so it'll just sizzle back into your subconscious <laughs> and you'll be like, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't even know how that would work. 
But you're not fighting. I'm in a similar place where if you're doing a show and it, and it's rough, you're just sort of like. It started when I when I was doing the TV show. I realized I was less nervous before shows, and I was like, before I, I was afraid that people could really take something from me, and and I suppose they still could, or maybe they never could. But like now, I feel less afraid of that for some reason. Yeah. It's more like a what? Am, what have I got to lose? It's just a show. Yeah, it's just a show. It's not everything. Doesn't have to be so make or break. So you guys have gotten there, but we're we're still going back to before you had gotten there. And these guys said we want to make a movie about you, and we and we got a little sidetracked because we were talking about how you guys wanted to be together and not so. They basically right. saw in us they, a story of like how a couple of regular scrappy musicians who don't ever expect that it's going to be a big thing, what it's like, like. What they they play shows and they it's a really dumb idea unless they think you're gonna make it. Yeah, it's a really bad idea. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if you want to see struggling, it surely would. The story arc turned out way more. Did they know you? They knew it it started out. (laughs) Well, Paul. Okay, Paul was friends with them. Okay, Uh, Paul's our manager. Friends with Moving Picture Picture Boys, and uh, we we decided to go to this warehouse in Nashville and make some videos, you know, make some just content because we had just decided to be this band, Shovels and Rope. Okay, we need some pictures of us and yeah. some videos for the internet of what we do so people and, can see it. Yes, <laughs> and um, t- during that, we just spent a day or two with them and um, they seemed like they were kind-hearted people, you know? Yeah. Um, nobody was getting any creepy you know weird like industry vibes we were like oh man i feel like these people mm-hmm. have heart and like doing it maybe for the right i don't know they're they're just interesting well, and you guys kind. said that in your movie too which i really loved especially at this point in my career i think uh, well you can't see it because it's covered I, I put on my computer i wrote because joy matters mm-hmm. like so i'm looking for reasons to do the things that i'm doing once your basic needs are met you sort of have to go and you guys say in the movie you go the goal is to enjoy making music and to keep enjoying, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's basically what you were after. And I was like, this is why these guys are so fun to watch. This is why I keep getting emotional watching it is because it's not, it's not a me town sort of situation. It's mm-hmm. like people making music because they make music. And so you got that sort of vibe from these guys. They make movies mm-hmm. because they make movies. Yeah. And, and they were not to cash in or, or make a splash or or make a buzz or go viral. They're just like, oh shit, I like these guys and we're going to make a movie about them. Yeah. And, and the timing. I'm sorry. Well, uh, just to like complete the, how it actually got into motion, Paul hit us up, our manager. And, um, at the time? At no. The, not at the time. He was Helpful the one who facilitated the, the meeting with these guys. I call my manager my friend I pay. So now he's still a helpful <laughs> friend who you pay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, so we went, he Paul hit us up and he said, "You guys, uh, I know it sounds weird, but these guys kind of want to make a documentary uh, about you and follow you around for a three couple- months after they listen to you play and stuff during after during we the spent day. this day making Taking some videos and videos, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and at this point there was a tour, like we were going to be doing stuff. It wasn't right. like they don't have a tour. I mean, you know, there was something to follow. I think, right, you know." And and immediately we were like, no, this sounds like the worst idea. Like, 
our thing is fragile. You know, we're like it was so fragile. We're just too. You with know, that scene where you're writing Carrie Ed, where you're writing the song in the rain with the dog. I'm like, how did they get this? How did they get any of it? It was such a great. Anyway, keep going. Great movie. Yeah, we were. Uh, you know, we d- kind of didn't want anybody invading our personal. You know, like our little private thing. We just were us two and our dog basically living in our van cruising around we're like where are you where are you gonna sit (laughs) i wrote down one question and i almost don't want to ask it because i don't want to ruin movies uh but i was like that night that you're sleeping in the walmart parking lot it's such a it's such a great movie that when they hit uh, let's not talk about the movie the people listening might not have seen it but you spend the night in the walmart parking lot because you're real fucking musicians you're really doing it it's real life stuff that I love, that I have a very warm spot for like, those making it stories. Mm-hmm. You guys wanted to go out, and it really helps that you're like married and newlyweds and in love, and you got your dog, and you built your own van, and you put your equipment <laughs> under the, the uh, wood that you sleep on top of, and now you're freezing in a parking lot in Walmart. And I'm like, this is one of the best mo- moments I've seen ever. And then I'm like, where does the camera guy sleep? <laughs> We, we, were filming we, filmed, ourselves. we filmed ourselves. You filmed yeah. yourselves? You got an exterior of the van? We, uh, yeah. yeah. You did? I did was, they ask you to do that? They asked us to film a lot of stuff by ourselves. So a lot of that footage, like... Um, you were alone! That's the best <laughs> answer! That's the best we answer! Because I remember being, I was walking That's back from weird, Walmart. Yeah. I was like, Michael, you can see. The exhaust looks insane yeah. out here. Yeah. And I was always afraid of... CO2 poisoning in the van As you in the should winter be, yeah. time, you know, and like we were always really conscious of, is there a breeze, you know? I had a guy on this show that lived in a van. Dave Stone lived in his van and, and it got broken into twice while he was sleeping in it. <laughs> oh. So I was like, I'm glad you guys were together and I'm glad for the, I don't know, it's just a thrill for me that you thought to go out because when, when a documentary, this is how LA ru- and making movies ruins movies for you, is somebody will like open a door and it's a surprise. Let's say Oprah says we're going to surprise somebody mm-hmm. and we're going to go to their house and we're going to knock on the door and they're going to open the door and it's Oprah and they freak out. And then you're like, once you start working in production and stuff, you're like, why was there a camera in the house getting the door opening from right. their perspective? What did they tell? It just makes you go like, what did they tell them? Yeah. Hi, we're here to for no reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got outside and shot... An establishing shot on your iPhone? Yeah, Get I think out. we had, uh, You guys are the coolest. We didn't have... It's funny because we used to make joke that we didn't have anything but the van, the instruments. Like, we always had a decent MacBook because we recorded all of our own music. Michael recorded it all, and that was kind of the core of what we had. And we had a pair of iPhones. We had nothing else. Like, for some reason, and those... And I'm, this isn't an endorsement because they drive me crazy. Your it's iTelephone? Like, like just the company, just the whole... You know, but the tools, it was great tools. <laughs> they did tell us, the Moving Picture Boys told us to use a certain app that would make it, we could get away with a lot of things. I think it's like an eight millimeter app or something. Uh, and so everything would be like a little bit grainy and we could, you know, hopefully that's not like spoiling something. No, I know that app. It was And like, you're right, it made it look grainy. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it look homemade. And we had like one of these little, uh, little stands, it would like clamp the phone and you could, you know... Had these three little arms and you could grip it so it would God. hold a po- on something. Posable tripod. I the love this stuff arms. so much. There's such a part of me that's like, well, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? When I'm like, you can't just give the band phones. Yeah. So when you were recording on your MacBook in your bedroom or in a room in your house, 
and uh, remember that part in the in the movie where you're you can't hit the vocal the first try, and then there's kind of like a nice threefer, and you get on the third one. And it's a nice moment, and mm-hmm. the camera's up in a corner. You know what I'm talking about? It's like shooting from above. I don't I remember. It's been kind of a while. It's hard to watch it. I believe we've you. only we've probably seen it once or twice. I could totally watch it now because the hindsight. But at the you time, you can watch it the second felt, half with us. After it, this. it felt so. Um, just everything we said sounded like the stupidest thing. You wish you could just like. Whenever I hear, I just remember one line. I was like, like I said something about I just want to stop for a minute, have some kids, and do like it sounded like having the kids was going to be like this easy flip it thing and i always was embarrassed at how flippant it sounded oh, that part is so sweet but it, it doesn't come off that michael way michael says because like, i know how intense it is parts. to be a mother i'm not trying to be flipping about you for some reason up until that point in the movie uh Michael isn't talking very much, so I you're a little frozen bit with fear. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, really, it, it, it buddy, was... it's rock and roll. It's good mystique. It's not. It's not a criticism <laughs> at all. But you're worried that Carrie Ann is like steering the show entirely. Yeah. For some, I don't know if other people were, but I was kind of like, what's going on here? And then when you say, you know, we do this, we tour this, we tour that, and then we can have some Rugrats. Uh huh. I was like. He's in. You know what I mean? Like, he's not like just some ghost that's like also yeah. there. It was like a really great moment. Oh, so you should be proud right of that on. moment. Yeah. Okay. That you have to be reckless, like open-heartedly reckless to be like, and then we'll have some kids, especially as musicians and comedians. It's fucking weird. It's yeah. beautiful. Now it's we're beautiful. dragging those children all over the world. Do they tour with you? Absolutely. I love yeah. it. We're together all the time. And what is the situation now? You're not in that van anymore. No, we mm-hmm. we tour in a bus, and we have a nanny who's fantastic, and she's been with us ever since Louis was born. And she's got uh, now she's pulling double duty. She got a raise. She's doing great. <laughs> got two kids. <laughs> two kids. Yeah, yeah, we have a we have the you new five month new old. little guy. Yeah. You're right where basically where Val and I are. It's incredible. It is so cool, and I'm so excited for you guys because the first time it's. Scary but exciting, but just from watching, and I know it's just like TV magic because I'm sure, but it just seems like the two of you have really um, enjoyed it and have really not been daunted by the challenges of not sleeping and or any like fears of that just come with having the responsibility of making sure a baby is healthy and happy. And you mean Val and I? Yeah, yeah. To- do you listen to the podcast? Mm-hmm. Oh, not to be weird. Yeah, we do. I, I we did. Show. Is that why? Did we talk about that when we did live from here together? Well, we I did, couldn't remember. I think if, I had listened yeah. to one maybe, and then since then. Um, and I just have to, I gotta say, I go to the podcast, to your podcast and it, to, to have a better day. Aww. Like, um, that's awesome. Like the Duplass brothers, so both of good. them, uh, those things Soul like points. changed my whole, I don't know, changed that. See, I, I thought of Mark when I was watching you guys, because I was like, this is what he's about. Mm. It seems to be what you guys are about. And I'd love to get into that. Like why music? It just seems like. Because, because, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when I was starting comedy, and then I'm going to give it to y'all, y'all, I'm such a fraud. <laughs> if I watch a movie in a Boston accent, I talk in a Boston accent. I've been watching your movie this morning. I just want to talk in a fake Southern accent. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'll give it to you guys. Was uh, What was I saying? Oh, the people that, that got into comedy to be famous or to get rich, they're all gone. 
it didn't happen. Like mm. they they don't exist anymore. What what is the story about getting into music? We can talk about parenting and all that stuff later. But like, what is the before even your solo careers? Because it's a it's a daunting thing. Did it really feel like written on your bones to do it? Yeah, for me, absolutely no question. <laughs> absolutely no question. I can tell. I have I have audio evidence of three year old me telling my grandfather, "I am going to be on Solid Gold, MTV." And um, <laughs> wait, what was Solid what Gold? Was it? it was. Solid Gold was the sh- dancing show that was on Saturday mornings after cartoons. Oh my God! Dance Fever was the other one that was like a dancing show where the yeah. all the music people. See, were we're the same age. You don't remember the grind? I remember, I the, remember grind. the grind. We had probably different programming because I was in Mississippi at this time and you were in Boston. <laughs> That's and Michael true. is a little bit was in Denver, so there's no telling what kind of. But yeah, I always knew, and my parents never doubted it. And they always encouraged me. And um, my well, it seems right on the money. Just watching at, both of you guys, yeah. it seems like a good fit. It doesn't seem like people trying to round peg square hole sort no, of situation. No, no. And I think Michael's situation was a little bit different. But like, I, yeah, I wasn't a kid who was like uh, that. That was not me. I wasn't like a get up in front of people kid. I was like, I went to a religious school all the way from you know kindergarten to to. 12th grade and I was like really? I did like to write poems and I listened to my my dark music you know and like <laughs> what like the cure? Nine Inch Nails <laughs> Nine and the Inch Cure Nails, yeah. yeah I wrote it all over my backpack Dude, Nine and Inch Nails if you, was it a Christian school yeah if you're listening to Nine Inch Nails, I remember when somebody was like, well, Nine Inch Nails are what they used to crucify Jesus. Yeah. Like, and I was, <laughs> like, you remember when, like, shock rock worked? Yeah. Like, it yeah. worked. Like, yeah. Marilyn Manson was no joke to me. I was like, that's the devil. <laughs> like, yeah. it, like, the well, he that- was conjuring it in the most beautiful ways. Like, he wanted to, that's what his job was, was to convince. Exactly. Like yeah. conv- living horror, like be like a like Alice Cooper. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that Alice Cooper worked because it seems so mild compared to what came later. But all that stuff, if you were like bow down before the one you serve, you're gonna get what you deserve. Yeah. I was like, you can't <laughs> listen to that. You can't listen to that. And you had it in your earbuds while you were going to y- Bible yeah, class. Yeah, I, I had it written on my on my backpack in Sharpie. And you everything. had that line. Yeah, I was like walking around, and and I, nobody knew. You know, nobody who knew who that was. I don't think, at least at the time, I was just like silent protest. You know. Hilarious. Michael would never cry or raise up his hands in the air when everybody else was crying and there, raising their hands in the air. There, he it, would not. It Hilarious. Felt, it felt like <laughs> a thing. You wouldn't fake it. It felt like a thing to me. And I will say, I there was one time when I went down for the altar call. Um, and all the kids, it's the same kids that go go every time, you yeah, know? Yeah. And they're just like, um, oh, I'm going to give my, my life to God. This time again, yeah, that was you know, me over and over, over and, and over. And, and I was like, no, um, you know, I resisted. And then one time I was like, man, like, wait, maybe, what was the resistance? You thought it was phony baloney, right? I thought it, I thought it was phony, and I thought it was like in, way in the back of my mind. I thought that it was manipulation, and I thought that these, um, it seemed kind of mean, you know. I don't know on whose part on the church, on the church, and yeah. like they would, they were like. Come down here and cry, you know. Yeah, all you, all, Dude, all we you were sinners. Just talking about the girl. I was talking to my friend Thomas, who I grew up with. We were laughing about the people that loved sharing their testimony because it was their time to cry. Mm-hmm. And then, like the first time you heard 
our friend tell her testimony about the car accident and all these beautiful things, like things that came after it, you're really moved. And then it's really disturbing when the next day someone else is like, let's share testimonies. And she does it again in the same way. It's her act. (laughs) I'm not even saying it's on her. She was just doing, she she was filling the slot. Like somebody's supposed to do this and be emotional. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that everybody was doing it. Someone would rub her back at the same moment that she'd get (laughs) choked up in the same moment. And I, I resented it for two reasons. One of the phoniness and two that someone else was getting the attention like i was mm-hmm. like i don't have a good testimony <laughs> i resented that mine was so boring but i i was also one of those kids that was like this is weird but like i felt guilty that i didn't go up for altar calls mm-hmm. because they were saying do you want to be saved even that word i have an app that was like your data is unsaved and every time i don't need the premium but almost every time i push okay you can have 4.99 to upgrade <laughs> me to premium i don't need it and it's just because of the word saved. It bothers me. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I, I went one time and I thought everything was going to be different afterwards and every, and nothing was different. And I, you know, I was like walking around the next day. Maybe it was like at vacation Bible camp or something. Yeah. Walking around the next day, like, am I supposed to be feeling Dude, something or am I it. like, uh, like colors should look brighter. Or yeah. Something. Like, why am I not? Why am I still? Uh, why do I still have this anger and this like you know, like uh, sexual urge that I can't you know like why am I fighting all these things? I just have to relate so hard to that. You're making me re- remember that the height of my Bibleiness was the height of my love of. Uh, I guess it's not hardcore, but it was like punk rock. Like I loved punk rock mm-hmm. at the same time. Because what's going on there? Like, you're pushing something really far down. And then so when people were, like, screaming and getting really aggressive in the music, I was like, this sounds like me, even though I looked like a Gap Kids commercial. Right. Right? Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. So it makes sense that you were, on one hand, reaching for this, and on the other, for old Nine Inch Nailers. Yeah. I was just like, um, I don't know. I felt I felt like it was a... It was a dupe, and then I was like, well, maybe I'm not getting it, and I'm going to try. And then I, it just, you know, nothing seemed different, and it didn't seem, I don't know. I, it, it was a long kind of struggle because everybody's telling you what you should think and, like, what you should, like, you are, you just haven't gotten it yet. You'll get right, it right, eventually. Right. And then... Um, so it's a little bit sad, too, because you did it. You resisted it. Then you finally went up for an altar call. And I mean, that is the definition of heartbreak if you're like, and then nothing happens. Yeah. I felt that way when I lost my virginity. I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's was... a universal thing. Like, that was it. That was it. <laughs> or or worse, that was kind of gross. Now I got to go tell all my friends. Yes. <laughs> or hope nobody tells <laughs> what happened, but everybody does. You know. Yeah. Mine was, it was just so embarrassingly <laughs> bad. And that was, I feel like, I still feel like that was my fault. But it was just like, and then I went and told my Christian friends, like, I did it and everything's the same. And they, and they said, it's because you didn't wait. Wait. <gasps> oh, that that's why it was bad. And then they, after they waited and they got married and had sex, we had a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so did they, like, when you were, when you were in, when you were oh. in it, was there a was there a like a masturbation 
conversation with with your you know with your other like bible friends that was a huge it's almost an embarrassing part of how much that was a huge part of my life is that what you meant when you were like sexual temptation and the nine inch nails and all the dark music yeah yeah, well i mean just like there was a group of guys who were kind of cool in my in my uh, school, but they were also good, you know? They were, like, the good and I know cool. these guys. And they would have, like, their own little group meeting um, once a week, and they would talk about stuff, but just, like, in a, like, in a more of an open, like, there's no adults here. We can all just talk about it. We can talk about the big M, is what they called Dude, it. Dude, we called it the big M. No. <laughs> My friend, Ern, who did this podcast, I used to be so horny that I would like, I don't, I don't know, I'd, I'd constantly be talking about sex. And he was like, you know, the big M really helps with that. And I was like, and then I tried it. And then I was, this is a true story. I go, what are you talking about? It makes it so much worse. And he goes, I know, I just didn't want to be the only one. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And so he knew it wasn't going to help. Trap. <laughs> he just was like, just come over here. I don't want to be alone. I'm so scared. Oh, <laughs> so we called it the big M. So even with no grownups, yeah, we would youth pastor ourselves. So mm-hmm. we would still code it. So you were, I don't want to assume, but it sounds like, Michael, you were dealing with that, you know, you're good and God loves you, but also sex is evil and you're constantly feeling horny and wanting to big M. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was like, I would, you know, dip in and out of this group because these guys were my friends um, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like as into the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the worship or the, yeah. um, you know, everything that they were into. They, I wasn't leading anything. I wasn't like, I, I was still skeptical. Oh, that's interesting. You didn't play music with the church? No, but my really good friend, uh, was the drummer and he was the drummer for my band later on. No way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Be- I didn't he played know behind that. the plexiglass and like, uh. <laughs> This is the coolest the dude, too. This guy is the coolest dude. Really? Yeah. You got to put up some plants by those toms, bro. We can't have full tom. Yeah. Um, That's why it's so beautiful when I see you guys with paper on the snare, just banging out a demo in your house. I'm like, this is the... Op- There's something so offensive about the soundproofing glass around the drums at church. Like, God himself doesn't want loud loudness. <laughs> The creator of the loudest thing that's ever happened, the Big Bang, doesn't want drums. No full drums. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God if he really likes a lot of the music that the church has been created. Because I would take issue. It's one of the hardest things to get over. I would take issue. I can't imagine. So if I go back to church, which I, I don't, but if I did, the way that things are funny bothers me. I can't imagine being a musician, a professional musician, being like... I write about it in my book. I'm like, how many times are we going to rhyme love with above? And I'm like, should a rhyme scheme really be dictating how we talk about God? Mm-hmm. And I joke if the word for love was shm over there, would be talking about God being over there. <laughs> or if it was within us, would be talking about God being within us. Those are huge theological jumps. But because love rhymes with above, we have an image of God being above us, which is not even biblical. It's not even an idea. You know what I'm saying? That is it's crazy. Not, I never thought of it. And that's Greek exactly mythology. Right. Zeus. It's Zeus. Yeah. The idea of God being on a cloud is is Zeus. And that's our God. Anyway, let's smoke some weed. <laughs> I love that. So see, my, my religious background is so different from his because I came up um, 
when I was little, it was Mississippi Southern Baptist stuff. But then my mom, as a result of losing a lot of people in her life, went straight for like super graceful Episcopalianism, where our priest was a lady, and we talked uh, about the cosmos. They went hard the other way, di- and it was like divorcees and gays and everybody in the church. And, and this is in Mississippi. This is new in Tennessee. My mother and I moved to Tennessee. She's single mom. She moved left Mississippi. We're just like moving forward from a whole bunch of it's crazy stuff. It's still in stuff. the south, which I, I like as a yeah. As a young. Nashville's cool though, of course. Was, Nashville is super cool. Yeah. In terms of like, if you're leaving rural Mississippi and Nashville is the is like my all of my relatives would say the same thing. Are you gonna go make it on the Grand Old Opry? Are you going to be on the That's Opry? So they were like kind funny. of teasing yeah. that we were moving to Nashville, but I was a little bit like, yeah, I am. Yeah. Totally. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It when I left Bennigan's the- again, New, New York or LA, that's a, it's like it's different, but it's similar. People are just like that's you're going to go for the world, yeah. And you were leaving the South, yeah, to go to Nashville, like, <laughs> Nashville, which yeah. is not really the South because it's got lady pastors. Yeah, cause, that's cause, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, but you kind of broke away earlier. Yeah, I broke away earlier, and my mom kind of got into like like what I would call cosmic Christianity. Like, and it's funny, like a lot of. Your journey has some of. She's read some of the same books. Oh know? yeah, oh, but I don't know funny. how. Like, if you got, she was really into like Dr. Wayne Dyer and then like conversations with God. I don't know if you have you ever read. Did that he book? write that book? No, I don't think he did. Oh, Wayne Dyer is a whole nother set of. Yeah, my dad likes Wayne Dyer. Yeah, and I'm like, so I I wonder what Wayne Dyer is saying. But I, my yeah. dad is real. Like, he must be very like productive. <laughs> Like if you dream about it or like think positively, like your life will be better, doesn't you? I do think a lot there's of that? a lot of that visualization, yeah. Yeah. law of attraction yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it was all like, um, like it seemed very the opposite of whatever Michael was dealing with. You know, like nobody, pretty much, you had to be a real asshole to go to hell. Like <laughs> pretty much, there might not even be like our classic idea, like what you were saying, like how it, then it's kind of based on Roman mythology when you start thinking about it Hades. Is. Well, Jesus and says the, Hades. I mean, it's, it's straight out. He never says hell. He never says the word hell. I he says Gehenna, which is where they burn the garbage. I've played Frisbee there. It's a valley <laughs> in Israel. And also he says Hades because he was drawing on Greek mythology. Isn't that crazy? He was wow. doing what we're doing. Yeah. But old Richie Rohr would say, because we don't understand the... Uh, rebirthing quality of fire the way that a fi- uh, a forest burns and that's part of the balance of the fire of the for- of the growth of the forest we never understood the metaphors of hell or purgatory is what he says because we never understood the life behind fire we've only ever in the west seen fire as a destructive force but we've rarely seen it as a pruning or a or a refining thing, which yeah. is obviously what they meant it as. Anyway, let's kick let's karate kick some boards. <laughs> you want to karate kick some boards? Just Michael kidding. could karate kick some. Can boards. you? You know karate? I took taekwondo as a uh, as a you young did? man. I I started when I was six. My parents put me in because I was smallish. Yeah, and um, Michael small. Michael small. He's always this, we're, we're both small. Yeah, He's the littlest one. I didn't know him then, but I can vouch that he was tiny. Uh, so I was funny. pretty small, and they, I think that they wanted to instill in me some. I don't know. They were just like trying to get some confidence going in me, and um, that's loving. Yeah, no, no was it bad? Parents, no, no, no. My parents are it sounds the loving. Yeah, they're great. They're yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, his father the, passed family. away a few years ago, and his mother is the best. I'm sorry, I'm totally talking. No, to you. <laughs> you 
You're, you're both you're the, the guests. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sorry about that. And I'm glad that he was the best. They were the best. They, they did, were the best. They, they uh, <laughs> I was in Taekwondo. So yeah, maybe I could kick through a board. I don't know. When I was, when I was 13, I could, I could kick through a board. But they diagnosed that, or, you know, diagnosed, I'm just saying they noticed that seems like love to me. Anything that when they like my parents noticed that I liked improv and they paid for me to do improv class. That's like real love. That's a beautiful thing. So they were like, Oh, I think Michael could use some confidence. Let's teach him how to kick some boards. And did it help? And he's, yeah, I, I also, there was a, there was a karate kid influence, you know? Oh yeah. We were all in. You've got a strong karate kick vibe. I get a little Daniel son coming off of you. I definitely do. The one of I the meanest things. <laughs> Are you into the old Daniel sons? Oh yeah. Ralph Macho was my boo in the day. Oh, so I was really yeah. excited. Yeah. We had a, uh, I don't know. Maybe I won't say this comment. I don't, I don't mean to make, it's supposed to make us both feel bad but i'm seeing that it might make you feel bad right now oh now i have to, now you have okay, to say well it. somebody made a, uh, co- made a comment one time after we did austin city limits uh the show yeah and um and then this was back before we knew to never to never look you know at what people say after never read the comments yeah like on the tweeters and stuff yeah like um, dude, i just had to relearn that lesson too it's such a fucking addiction I started getting into a place where I was like, oh, I'll just, every time I go to the bathroom, I'll just see what people are saying about me. And you start getting numb to like all the beautiful, nice things. And then one person will say something almost like CIA level sculpted to bother you. And you read it and you'll think about it for days and you're like, what am I doing? It's almost like. Chaps me. It tears me up. Yeah. I can't look at it at all. My ego is way too fragile. Then li- lay it down. Lay it. Don't even look. So, yeah. but you were looking after well, Austin City I d- Limits. I did. I did look, and somebody said, um, "Oh, I didn't know uh, Ralph Macchio and Bette Midler had a band." <laughs> That's not Those bad. Okay. Well, I've always like, taken, Bette Midler. Yeah. Any. Any. Yeah. I've always. <laughs> I just did a thumbs up. Looks a lot like Bette Midler. Not Somewhere between Bette Midler and Bob Bette... Dylan, two awesome people to look a lot like. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I just. You know. <laughs> I don't see. I don't see either. Yeah, I always prided myself on my Dylan-esque face. Oh, but, really? Yeah, a little bit. Like, if I'm going to look like a man, young Dylan was... Well, remember my, there was that, that movie where ladies played him? Uh, yeah. I didn't really like that. Was, that was pretty cool. It um, was cool, but I, I didn't like... Parts of it, I... Parts yeah. of it, I... Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, yeah. that's who it was. That's mm-hmm. who I'm it was. I'm here? No, that's not it. Was the Ballad of, the thi- of, the, of a Thin Man was a really interesting part of that movie. Do you remember that? I don't remember. All I remember is the Christian Bale Christian phase. Oh yeah, I forgot Christian Bale's in that. Yeah, he's barely in it. Yeah, and he plays Christian Dylan. Weird. Yeah. I wasn't. I thought that wasn't the blonde-haired fellow that played um, uh, uh, in Brokeback Mountain, and and he passed away real young. Yeah, Heath Ledger. Wasn't Heath Ledger in that? Why am I seeing Heath Ledger? At a certain point, if you have too many people in a movie. It could be anybody. It, it Pete Holmes is Dylan. Bre- it, yeah, it becomes a breeze. <laughs> I think it was Hayden Christensen. Is that right? Was he one of the Dylans? Should we just keep throwing names on the pile? <laughs> I think Sinbad was one of Sinbad the Dylans. Was, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure, but Sinbad was a great Dylan. Dylan, yeah. He was really, really strong. What do you guys, do you guys, you had a poster of Dylan in your house. I always felt like uh, Dylan didn't want me. He doesn't want any of it. I know, and that always kept me kind of away from him. The punk rockness, right? So going back to my Christian time, I love punk rock. And you'd go to the shows, and those guys would just be sitting around. And like, I liked that. I liked that they weren't 
lying in interviews or like kind of like withholding themselves. I understand that it's very cool. And I like Dylan more now. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I was like, who's this cooler than school guy that doesn't care if I like him or not? Yeah. That was like threatening to me. But I you, didn't know what to yeah. do with him. I blame the London press. I feel like the London press at that time systematically asked all the most offensive and stupid questions that you could ask. It didn't even make any. Oh, is that why he shut just, it down? It just seemed to me like... Are you the voice of your young generation? Do you think that you're the voice? Like, I don't right. think anybody would really ask those questions now because, yes. we're, like, what artist, what egomaniacal moron would say, Yes, I am. I, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. You know, right. But, like, yes, and I am going, I am to guide the moral compass of, of this generation of people. I am the voice. We would tear them apart. Yeah. The, the world, it doesn't. The story would be then this asshole reporter, I think. Like, you know what I mean? Other people would report on this asshole reporter for asking stupid questions. I think so. I just I feel so. like it, it wouldn't be ta- – or or maybe – I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the questions are f- innocent, like from an innocent time, people who didn't understand rock and roll. Also right. fair. Right, because like, it was why new. Why are the girls losing their minds? Right. What is happening to our good little children? Right. All of a sudden, they're boning in the alleys and drinking right. and wearing women's – the men are wearing women's clothes and women are men's clothes. We're all very confused. Right, right, right. Which is funny. When I listen to Shovels and Rope, it kind of excites me in that same early rock and roll way. Well, I hope good. that's a compliment. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you hear it and it sounds a little bit – please don't – I don't find it dangerous, but it has that – a little hint of that old school danger to oh, it. Oh, that's a great compliment. It's a it's a barn burner. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like something that uh, the guy who played the dad on that '70s show would not let his kids go in, even though it's just a good old good old time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's yeah. definitely got that feel to it. I think we neither of us are which are like virtuoso musicians of any kind, and we really depend. Like our whole thing has to be having something of substance to sing about, singing about it well, and and articulating like energy and passion. Totally. And the performance that's not based necessarily on fine musicianship, not by a sight. I it's mean, kind of, you know, teetering and a, like slightly unhinged and, bar- you know, barely real. holding on. Yeah, something real. And I, I feel like that's cool. You did know, you, I would like to see that. Did I you like, watch It Might Get Loud, that documentary? That was so fun. Yes. Because there is that scene where uh, Jack White plays that old, old blues recording and it's sort of like arrhythmic and it's just some guy by himself, but you listen to it and like, I look for that in my acting. I look for that in my music. And that's why the guy that's recording your demo, he's like, those mistakes, those are good. I know you guys didn't end up using that demo, but like you're looking for something. Well, let me ask you, it sounds like you're looking for something real. Like if you just had robots play the chords you guys were playing and sing the way the, the words, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be there. It's sort of like a magic uh, eye painting where you have to look past it and then it sneaks up on you. Yeah. Is that right? I think so. And, and I'll predicate by saying Michael. Like it's not Chopin. Yeah. Michael is our <laughs> studio engineer and the producer of the records. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm the caterer and the studio musician every now and then. Sometimes I press record for him. But I, I will say like, um, the the process of a lot we used to make like demos of records mm-hmm. now we we like do a quick phone recording of the structure of the song and the recording is the demo you dig like the first stuff that happens that's good is recorded well enough to be the take there's no more demoing the demo is the record wow. and it captures 
You want to capture that. some like the wild, the wild animal. You know, it's yeah. like the first take is usually when you don't quite know what you're gonna do, and it just starts coming out, and it's pure instinct. And then if you capture it, you know, you can do a hundred takes after that, and you're normally like, well, there's something Dude, about that one. Mm-hmm. You are talking about comedy right now. The first time I I like to improvise on stage, if I riff something, I'll record it, I'll listen to it, and then it'll still be there, but it's a photocopy of a photo. Like the hundredth time I'm doing it, I'm trying to imitate something. There's that moment where you ask her if she has hungry eyes <laughs> and we rewound it three times because it's so funny. <laughs> you probably don't remember because you haven't seen the movie, but you go, are those angry eyes? And you go, no. And then you just go, oh, no. are those are those hungry eyes? <laughs> and that's how you did it. You went, are those, are those hungry eyes? And it was even like when you were saying hungry eyes, you heard the technicians talking too, which added to the humor because it sounded so, I don't know how to say it, real. It sounded like real. Like it wasn't like a, a canned, like when things get too snappy, too tight and too perfect. I don't, I don't Aaron care Sorkin anymore. Comedy, like. I, I was going to say, I, I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> I love Aaron Sorkin. No, I understand. Favorite. I was yeah. going to say 30 Rock and I love 30 oh, Rock, yeah. but I don't watch it. And that's not to say that I don't love it, and I don't love Tina Fey and everybody that works. It, they're, they're geniuses. Yeah. But for some reason, I'd rather watch Baskets, which to me, Baskets is like they're finding it. And they're keeping – you see all these takes where they're like tr- – you can tell they're trying not to laugh. Or the camera, <laughs> for no reason, like moves. Sags. Like it was just a mistake. <laughs> it was just a fucking mistake. And I think we're – aching for that and that's why so what you guys sound like could have come out in the 60s and it would have been a hit it would have been a, an even bigger hit probably because there would yeah. only be like four bands yeah you know what i'm saying but like you're nothing cre- would be reco- sold for free on spotify yeah. that, <laughs> that's right that's right you'd just be selling out of actual <laughs> vinyl you know what i mean um but you're capturing that feeling which is before we got so goddamn polished and perfect right and that's how i feel about comedy records too i'm like don't edit out the mistake i love the mistake i went and saw the national play and he forgot the lyrics to one of the songs it's the only moment i remember from that show was that they were like forget it forget it and i was like yeah i love that band and that uh that Mistaken for Strangers is so good. So good. We all cried. We were crying in the theater and laughing. It was like all your movie is that good. Is it really? I haven't finished it, but it has the same quality. And you guys are as as interesting as people. Well, I haven't seen the whole thing. It, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. It is not as good as Mistaken right. for Strangers. Not no, by us. Don't get too excited. Yeah, don't get too excited. Well, okay. Mistaken for Strangers. Let's agree. Is a, is kind of like. An exceptional thing. So great, yeah. And so I think yours is in the same category. Thank Let's you. say oh, that. Thank you. It, it's thank not you. like some little diddly thing. So when you're setting out to do this, if you know that the chord progressions aren't like unheard of chord progressions, I'm trying to think of who is trying to do something where it's like, and this is something no one's ever heard before. I don't know. But you guys are going the traditional route. So what are you trying to bring to it? Is it honesty? Is it grit? Is it capturing some sort of X-Factor moment, like we were saying? I think, well, with our latest record, I've, we had somebody describe it to us. And this is this this is the guy um, that played drums behind the uh, the plexiglass. Big M? Yeah. In your first band, the Big M? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He he now is this this fantastic uh, you know designer and part of this um, this group who 
basically work in you know branding they'll like make um labels for things or they'll make videos for people it's just like this creative awesome thing called the maid shop anyways the uh, make job the, the maid shop wow the, yeah i was way off yeah <laughs> get it straight oh. and, um, maid job. he said uh, they we uh gave our music our music to them this record because they were going to do the artwork for it and um they were coming up with concepts and they were kind of like this was the first feedback that we heard about the record basically from anybody that and it's it, it was from people who we you know really value their opinion and they're also just loving and and you know that they sat down and listened to it hard and they said they were like this is kind of one of the concepts that they came up with for the artwork was like something dirty in a clean room and um <laughs> Because a lot of this record, like, there is, you know, there's um, string instruments and, you know, more, like, traditional things. But then we also have, like, a lot of Mellotron strings and um, there's some, you know. What's Mellotron string? It's it's like a a keyboard that um, makes string sounds, basically. Yeah, you can and you can combine them like you can combine like a, a cello sound with like a flute, and if you combine them right the, the right way, you're like, oh, it's the Beatles. You know? <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I love it. No, I know what you mean. And um, so we were kind of I don't know, we're just like getting outside of our box and trying to grow and do some new, you know, uh, experiment with new sounds, and. A lot of the music is, you know, it's like a little more more sweeping and I guess cinematic or dramatic. And um, whatever we are in the middle of it, you know, just our voices, like we hope, we we hope, number one, we hope that the, the song is good and saying something, you know. And then at that point, it's like you kind of create this landscape and then we um, sing however we're going to sing. And normally it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit, rough around the edges or it's you know it's like um it's just the one thing that we do that we've always done that way and that's just what we sound like yeah 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 is there anything you do to try and make sure you get those raw moments do you give yourselves enough time in the studio to play or to be (laughs) yeah well the cool thing is like so we built a studio in the backyard really it's about 800 square feet and it's really cool. It's simple. It's not fancy. It's not like there's a soundproof studio. Like it's, it's yeah. like a rectangle made of wood with like a you know slanted roof. It's a yeah. real mother-in-law uti- cottage. <laughs> yeah, basically this room. room. Yeah, yeah, but with yeah. room for all the equipment and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool. And now there's just it's like there's like hallowed space. You just walk in, ready to be creative. Want to record? All the stuff is ready to go. Need yeah. to just gather drum sound that you've perfected. Nothing has to get moved. Every time we've ever made a record at home, and we've made them all at home in our various setups, is which have increased in you know um, complexity or whatever or um, sophistication slightly as we progress. Uh, there, you know, there were now ch- a child, a, a napping or screaming baby, in the house that made us have to like build. A spot outside. Oh wow! Yeah, because the Cause first it used to be inside. Used to be inside, and then when <laughs> Louis was born, we had to make little seeds, and it was really hard to do with a brand new baby in the house. Yeah, we had somebody come over and hold the baby downstairs while we would go up and like I needed Carrie to come up and do a vocal with me, and 
they're just you know shrieking downstairs. downstairs. She was a crier, and we couldn't. You know, we, this is the only time that we had. We only had these. You know, oh, this man. hour or something to do it, and so we had to wise up. But yeah, so we've got this outside space that has made it where, um, where we can kind of carve out a couple hours a day per parent to go out and have time in there. And when Michael's working on a record, it's a little bit more like four or five hours a day that he has to go out there and work. But it's great because we have the means of production in the backyard. Mm. And unless we're both working together, which is, you know, we usually it's, uh, you know, dividing and conquering in the studio. We don't really work that much together towards the end or until towards the end of a recording or a writing process. Well, that's what was cool about the, you'd send each other songs. Yeah. Like I was really moved. There are two moments, Carrie, where you encourage Michael, which I picked up on. And Val and I both, I, I, again, it was very emotional. I can't explain it. I think people are going to watch this movie and be like, I don't know what he was doing, but it, my heart is very open in the morning. <laughs> Same. <laughs> right? It, that's, that's when I'm open. Like in the evening, my armor is up and I'll be like, rock and rolls for children. I don't I, no, I'm kidding. But I'm sitting on the couch and Val and I are just like squeezing each other in this way that we do when we're saying with our bodies like, right? You know, and it was, you'd say, this chorus needs work. And then you go like, what are you talking about? The course is great. And you'd go, that goes on the record. And then you'd play this other song. You're like, well, that goes on the record. Yeah. And I, I just love that. That's half my job with him as an editor is yeah. like, no, stop. Yeah. Stop where you are. And so many of us, if Val was in here, Val will read me a poem and I'm like, that's it. That's perfect. And I'm, I'm not just saying it because I love her. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, that's like really good. I say to her every day, I go, you're a true talent. <laughs> like, cause she's, she's a, I would say this if she was here, she's not, she doesn't have the artistic compulsion, but she's so talented. So I'm almost trying to give it to her. Yeah. And like, it seems like maybe not all, I'm sure it goes both ways, but maybe you could talk about like when we're creating something, sometimes it helps to have somebody else that goes like, no, that's it. I don't know what you're on about. Definitely. Like, right? Definitely. The way yeah. that we, work a lot is um we write separately you know during the touring year or you know as you know we put we put out a record every couple of years so after we put something out we're out on the road and um doing it and we're, we're both writing separately and then you know when it comes time to make a new thing um we kind of sit in a room and show each other like bare our souls you know yeah, like, piles of little pieces what do you think of about this one <laughs> is it still a little tense it has for me to it be. is michael's so good about really it. you write on your computer what do you no, mean you write you write on paper we're playing he's it is talking it scary? about um in, when we start when we bear it when we oh, show like, each yeah. other our stuff you sit down yeah it's not uh, i get a little sweaty <laughs> i want to impress you i definitely like um i may be my toughest critic but like as my partner, uh, you're never you've never been mean, but you will be like, I really like this song and that was not my favorite. And we can say that and as our I feel like the cool thing about a, a songwriter partnership is after you've kind of severed that you've lobotomized that part of your ego a little bit, that somebody can tell you that's not the best and you're not right. like <clears throat> Right. Oh and be like, Yeah, you know, I let's was just talking put that about to the, the side because there's so much here we could this we're in similar places in our careers because I, I I'm writing a script for The Simpsons, and they just sent me that I know it's so cool, and they sent it back, and so much of it had changed, and instead of being like 
hurt by that. I, I'm being real with you. Uh-huh. There was a time when I would have been hurt. Mm-hmm. I've been in it long enough that you go like, yeah, make it better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they cut that whole scene and I know there would have been a time that I would have been like, that scene was like four hours of me just going like, what could happen? And like sweating it out uh-huh. and then a, a room cuts it. And now I'm just like, but here's the key. That's the Simpsons writer's room. You know what I mean? It's a bunch of geniuses. So you guys obviously respect each other's opinions. T- totally. And it's really, I mean, we've grown, you know, we've been married 10 years and um, we've been in, in this band for About eight years. Eight years. And uh, it was more difficult at first, you know, the letting go of our egos. Yeah. Letting go of the eye voice. Letting go of my ego. Is <laughs> the a, eye voice. There's a cosmic Christianity. <laughs> like, drop it. You got to get rid of it. And and by wounding it over and over, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, well, we just sort of had, we just grew. And now it's a lot, e- it's a lot easier. And it feels like, um, you know, we both give each other the uh, just like immense uh, attention and respect and love when they're showing you know when they're showing you yeah the new their new thing and um we read the uh the duplass brothers book and it related to us in a really heavy way because these guys love each other so much and they work together and they have to i don't know i felt like i learned tools from them after reading it we both read it like brothers like yeah. brothers yeah. yeah and um we were just like oh my god this is exactly how i feel because you're super close but with them eventually it started to get in the way yeah right they needed to learn to work separately and even to a right. certain degree in our thing like michael can make other people's records and that's not a process that involves me mm. and i'd um, I like to be involved in everything. I like to be in the mix, but I don't actually want to do any of the work in there. I just want to <laughs> hang out and like be creative and hang out. But I, I really, it's it's not a place where I, uh, for a long period of time, I enjoy. So that's his world, and he could make other people's records. Wait, does that sound and like they, you had to learn that? Yeah, I had to, to learn not to out. be jealous that he could do something right. I couldn't do. Right. Yeah, you know. And and we don't have any other long-term projects other than Shovels and Rope. I don't know that we won't ever. I mean, this is it's such a cool thing to be in a band with your husband. It was never like, this is what we're doing for the rest of our lives. It's worked out. It's afforded us the opportunity to do this for a living and like have a lot of fun with it and, and do whatever we want and definitely like, be in our own boss. But I definitely to learn to like give him the space to do other things and not feel left out was mm. something I went a little bit ashamed to admit it, but it's a thing. Like I'm a flaming Leo. Like I need a, like attention <laughs> or be everybody to love me. And I want to be in the mix. And when I'm on the outside of the mix and my cerebral and gregarious, but quiet husband is like off doing the fun thing. Mm. But, uh, People are, you know, people are really drawn to to Carrie. She has a really magnetic thing, and um, and she's. I just got a, a cartoon image in my head where it's you with a guitar, but it's not you. It's a flame, and the whole audience is just a bunch of moths. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> There's your album cover. I'm just kidding. That's a good t-shirt. It's <laughs> a good t-shirt for you. Yeah. I'm a Carrie fan. <laughs> <laughs> but who are you if that if she's the mom? Because you you remind me a little bit of my friend the Gungers. Uh, do you know the band Gunger? They're really great and they're similar to you. No. They have two kids and they record all their albums. Oh my in their god, house. we need to be friends with them. We would you have should. so much in common. And I listen to their records and I'm like. How did they record this in a back house? I just don't understand what's going on. Sometimes they do the strings or the drums elsewhere, but it's just like unbelievable great quality, just like your stuff in a back house with a family. And they tell me about having to hold because a helicopter is going over. Oh, yeah. or <laughs> so you guys, I'll introduce you. It's so fun. But but Michael in the group is a little bit, um, he would say that he's a little bit more, it's almost like spectrum-y. <laughs> like he can be just like a little bit more, Less um, emotional. Uh huh. Full, full spectrum. <laughs> Are you full spectrum? <laughs> Do you I like feel his work? <laughs> Do you feel that way? Do you feel a little less? If she's the big flame with all the moths, what is your role? Well, I, I guess what I really enjoy is I really enjoy writing and I re- enjoy recording and I like performing. Carrie really enjoys performing. And tolerates recording. It's a great and she's it's great. She's a great writer. And um but I like everybody to clap for me and tell me I'm great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that was something that I had to I'm learn. I'm more like you. I'm more like you. I had to learn Weak. to get you to like Yeah. I need it. <laughs> I'm an addict too. No, it's fine. But don't you see like when I was watching you guys play the small shows in the movie in the restaurant and when Carrie is doing the in between talking and stuff and you're just setting up or whatever. Not that you don't talk. I'm just saying, oh, it works. You can't have two, as I call them, look at me's. You can't have two look at me's. You right. have to have somebody be an I see you and here's a new song. And what do you think? And let's join up. I don't know. Um, we're working on that, though. It's interesting because if you... Uh, one thing that we've been trying to do is uh, balance that, or as we've progressed over the years, um, we've definitely kind of learned there's maybe only one look at me at a time. So we're not, because interrupting and talking over each other doesn't work really well with the audience unless it's kind of part of a bit. And we've had a couple of those. <laughs> right, like, right. Like the comedy duo bit. Right. When a string changes or something, like a default behavior. Right. But I feel like it's important um, because our whole thing is 50 50 uh, and our whole, like, I guess, like our brand, what we want to project is this balanced thing. I've learned to be quieter on stage and not to dictate all the narrative. And even for a while, we would kind of choose the places in between the songs where we would give some space to talk because one thing was happened maybe it would be like too much talking in between songs or maybe it was too much of me talking or god forbid i was like clammed up or had too much wine and i didn't really it wasn't landing and any of weirdness of ours might be starting to come out Mm. into the thing it's funny sometimes when our husband and wife weirdness comes out in a natural way it can be really good (laughs) it's some of the best shows when like you admit that you are shitting at each other for something. Right. It's honest. Right. But um, So I don't know. I think now, I believe, yes, there can only be one look at me, but when you have a thing like us, you have to take turns being the look at me and not stepping on each other. You got to We even talked about that for coming in to talk to you. We did. Before? We uh, we had a therapy session and we were like, (laughs) 
hey, we're going to go uh, on this podcast, and like we're a fan of this guy, and we're going to go on here, and how do we... Because it started out with us being like, you know, uh, when we're alone, we do great. Sometimes we've been ha- going through some th- this weird stuff when we ha- uh, hang out with other couples. It was like um, we wouldn't include each other in conversations. It was almost just, it was weird. It's like I would go off with somebody and she would go off with somebody. Mm-hmm. And we're like, mm-hmm. how do we get better at just like hanging out at a table? Yeah. Val and I just had an, in- in- an instance of that where we went to a dinner and afterwards, we free. I'm not a, what did you say, a, a, a Leo? A Leo. I'm a Leo. I'm an Aries, but I don't know. We must have some overlap because at the end of the meal, I said to Val, I was like, I was like, I, I felt like I disappeared. <laughs> like it was like I needed, and she, and she was like, oh, I get it. I, I need to include you more. So sometimes when we're with other couples, we're like, let's not to forget to check in with one another. So I totally relate to that. Yeah. We just saved your audience like 180 bucks worth of marriage therapy because that right there is like a super clutch. We've been married a long time. And over the, you like you used to hang out and de- kind of date within your, you dated. And now you have to like learn to date again within your, Marriage and social mm-hmm. settings as a, unit. as a unit and like converse. And I tend to get like if I'm nervous or I feel insecure, my personality gets really big mm. and I start like maybe hamming or putting on a show <laughs> despite myself because I'm just uncomfortable and it could just be like oh, for your I am putting my hand in front of Michael's face and pushing him away <laughs> yes, yes. so that everybody He's gonna crane kick you. He's gonna crane he, he's emotionally <laughs> like, crane like, kicked me about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I'll do the opposite. I'll go in. I'll go, Well, if you don't want me, I'll shut it down and like lights at a uh, baseball stadium, it's just like yeah. and then like I'll get guffed because I didn't contribute and I'm like, but I didn't know where to be. So yeah. I just shut it down. Totally. Yeah. I understand. And, I, and you know, I have a slow delivery and sometimes it takes me a while to get to the point or to like, you know, I have some, I, I got it. You know, there's something back there. I got a joke to say and the, it's going to take me a while to get to the punchline, but right. just please hang in here with me. Right. You know? I see you in the attic with the flashlight <laughs> and it's like, it's in one of these boxes. It's, it's going to the back. There. Just give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be worth it. Like you were saying earlier, I, I felt bad because uh, I felt like I interrupted you. You were talking about like you tolerate performing. I didn't know if you finished no, your point. Well, I I love it. And I, I love arranging music for the performance like, you know, okay, well, what if, you know, you played a kick and snare with your foot and your and your right right arm or your left arm and then your right arm plays the bass line and then I'll play the guitar, and then I'll play the organ line with my foot on this thing over here. <laughs> and then if it works, it's like, yes, this is great. That's so fun. And um, You're like a two-man, one-man band. We, I say that all the time. <laughs> I say we're it. a two-headed octopus. I love it. Mm-hmm. In a garden in the shade, play that oboe oh. string. <laughs> and we're the Beatles. That's so funny. Was that kind of intentional when you started is like when you were solo people did you do a lot of your own stuff and you're like well what if two people were doing mm-hmm. this i would ba- band band regular band yeah regular bass, band bass drums electric guitar yeah we both had but just band bands well what is it it's so weird remember that um there was that band presence of the united states of america do you oh, remember yeah. that band? and they had like three Peaches. three strings on each guitar do you remember uh, no, that? No, I did not recall that fact. They played a guitar and a bass, but they only had two strings on the bass and three strings on the guitar. And for some reason, I think that was a huge part of why America sort of picked up on them and was like, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think it is. 
you guys could be a band, but it would be less interesting if you weren't doing it. Like suddenly we care how is it being done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like we want to see it. And the fact that you're playing the organ with your foot, especially because everything can be so polished and auto-tuned and perfected in the yeah. studio. No tracks. And fake. Yeah. We love the one man band is actually kind of more relevant now because we're like, what you see is what you get. There it is. She's kicking the snare. Like, I didn't even know you could kick a snare. <laughs> There's a the, how yeah. pretentious we, of the kick drum to call itself the kick drum. Yeah. You can kick any drum. You can kick any drum. You can kick a bongo. Yeah. We used yeah. to have a kick. We used to have a snare on the ground with um, a kick pedal attached to it. Now our setup is traditional snare, traditional kick. The hi-hat is behind us. I'm controlling it with my foot, but there's like a vacuum so that instead of it's here... It's like a going, clutch cord that goes around. So she's st- still hitting it with her left foot, but it's like way over there. It's going behind me. Why? Just for no... Why? Because... Um, why, what was the original because reason? Because we don't use I it like be, normally. Sit, I would be sitting at the drums. We switch places. Mm-hmm. So I would sit at the drums and play guitar and kick drum. And the guitar, and the guitar is... would hit the hi-hat if it was in the normal position. Right. And then if the hi-hat's in the middle, we also have a cymbal in the middle, and the cymbal, cymbal started there for almost for comedic relief. It was like uh, <laughs> really hard to get to it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> somebody would have to stretch way over, and it was just like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I love it. I love it. There's something about watching you guys swap places, too, that we like. Yeah. I think there's something... Something about comedy, improv comedy, we love the agreement of it. We love that people are like on the fly working together. There's that moment in in the movie where someone requests a song and you guys swap seats. For some reason, I'm like, that's it. That's the universe. We love cooperation. We love adaptation, Mm -hmm. even on a cellular level. But here it is. In in the in the big in the big yeah. world, two people going like, well, now you play guitar, and now and 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 for some reason, like the strings on the presidents of the United States of America's guitar, we like that you're married, we like that you're doing it all yourselves, and that you're swapping. It it makes it better than just the music itself somehow mm-hmm. when you're watching it live. Yeah, I believe that's to be true. I think our music is good, and uh, you know, it's. It sounded like I was putting down your music. But no, that's no, not no, what I was saying. No, I was I, saying it takes it to the next level well, as, was, as a live show. I just think that there's in in a, in in a vacuum, all things being equal. Yeah. That when you you know we resisted so much of the the people's interest in the fact that we were married for so long, and now I'm like, why? We just, I guess our you know our we didn't want that to necessarily be the narrative, but the fact of the matter is, it you is. Need, yeah, and you. I it's, feel like these days you need a narrative. That's why you're, you made a movie and you're making another movie. Yeah. The National just made a movie for their new album, too. I was like, it's because back in the day, Bob Dylan playing in the village was the story. Yeah. And for better or worse, music, I think, takes hold in us better when we understand what's going on, what it, what mm-hmm. it represents, the story that it's telling, and, and the place and the time that it's telling us about. And like, there's so much music now. I think the reason we're seeing more movies and more people being upfront about their stories is because we don't really have the luxury. Same with comedians. Like, I need you to know everything about me. Mm-hmm. Everything. It I'm can't so just glad be like, you have a podcast. But yes, I'm like you had you had to have that too. You yes. Have to, but also, you, you need to, to see the whole thing. Yeah. I can't just be Stephen Wright doing perfect jokes. I mean, like, I think Stephen Wright could start now and do just fine. I'm just saying the modern model for music and comedy and art in general is like. How much of it can we get? You know what I right. mean? And how, and maybe there was a time when you guys could be like, we don't really talk about being married, but it's like, 
it's not just marketing. It's not like it's it's like our appetite has changed as, as fans. Mm-hmm. We want we want to swallow you whole, like one of your lyrics. We want to yeah. swallow you whole. Yeah, yeah I don't. I, I, I don't know what to do about that. I guess we all just roll. But yeah. we're guilty of it too. Yeah. I mean, it's like I don't know what to do. We're about guilty that. of it too. I, I, it must be strange, like when fans of your show and of your work are on. I mean, we know an insane amount about you and Val, and yeah. we're not going to be like sitting here telling you all the things that we know because we follow you on Instagram or something because that right. would be so weird. It would be kind of I rude. always tell people it's weird that it's not weird. I'm just, it's weird I, that's not weird. You're from the, I feel like you're from a smaller town than me and I, I've always admired and envied that sort of feeling where it's like everybody knows your business. I wanted that. I wanted everybody because then you can just get into the moment. We don't, I don't have to catch you up. That's true. Right? You can just that's be true. like, I know and what, what's happening right now? Yeah. Like, what's d- happening? Well, go ahead. No, I, and I, I like that part of it too but it's, it is, it is a strange thing to know so much about somebody. Like even our fans, they know so much about us, and we've been a little bit cagey. I mean, like we're not like too much out there in the mix. We're less than some people, more than others. But like our whole thing isn't a dog and pony show to get you to come to our show. Uh, but it, uh, but it, what we put out there, I love showing off pictures of our kids because it's so cool. And then yeah. sometimes I'm like, why do all these people, why is this interesting? Why yeah. is this the thing that's getting... I, you know what I think it is? is like Because of Facebook and Instagram and everything, we know everything about everybody. Yeah. So then like we want we want that same level of intimacy with mm-hmm. the artists that we like yeah. to. You don't have to do it. No. But if you guys had a podcast, I bet your fans would love it. <laughs> I've often thought it would be fun to have one, but it sounds like a lot of work. Is it? We're sitting on a couch and I'm in my pajamas. You have to get a Katie. Katie, do you have to do a lot of work? Is, is it hours and hours of stressful editing? Because you guys do a lot of editing. Show. You just put it just on. leave it all in, right? Yeah, this is shovels and rope style, yeah. man. We leave it in. Man, maybe we're doing you it wrong. You could do it. We could totally it do it. It would be fun. Yeah, let's do it. Uh the my one of my favorite podcasts is the Conan uh, needs a friend. The Conan needs a friend. It's like newish, and um, you we heard you on it. I heard you on it, and it was like tear inducing. <laughs> I was on the elliptical. You have one right <laughs> yeah, here. It's right yeah. here. Good job, yeah. guys. Thank you. It it's was, you can see it's dusty. The sauna gets used. The elliptical <laughs> holds. <laughs> yeah. Peter Holmes has a sauna in his recording yeah, studio, yeah, you guys. Yeah. He's better than us. No, man. You too can get one. I'm gonna get one. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it all Mention kinds of wrong. Mention this podcast and get a clear light sauna. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're a new uh, Pete's pick for the for the show. Cool, it just happened, Eddie. But that's just because I love it. That's yeah. that's what it is. But anyway, you could you could do that. And you were saying the Conan thing. Oh what? no, I just lo- I guess we're just talking about podcasts, and you know, it's like a new, it's a new thing. But it's like one of those kind of there's a lot of new things that show up that you're you're like oh, I don't think this is this is doing good. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is like a a uh, the way that we need to go. <laughs> Chat roulette. <laughs> Chat roulette Whoa. went away. Whoa. More like dick roulette. Man. Yeah. I don't think I ever even actually saw that. Like, I didn't want to go to it because I, I yeah. found yeah. out second well. and so I was spared that. Yeah. yeah you don't, so, yeah. exactly. You yes. Don't Chat that. roulette may be the wrong way, but podcasts, like these long form conversations, it's, 
like I just feel like it does people good. Yours does people good for sure. I like I I have been moved many times listening to it. I really appreciate that, man. And I I love your stuff to shoot it right back to you. I can't just I don't know. I get emotional listening to your music as well, even though I don't think that's necessarily the intent. There's a frequency. Right. Let's get new ages. <laughs> There's something go- bigger than the sum of the parts where you're like, this is good, and that's why the movie. Uh, is emotional for me too. There's something going on with you guys. It's really special. I don't know what happened, but the, it was like we had a we got married. Mm. It rained so much on your wedding, so much on our wedding that Alanis. <laughs> everybody was dancing in mud, calf deep. It was awesome. Oh, we MG. got married way way out in the country. They had to make three different beer runs to so the grocery store 20 minutes away just to keep people drinking we partied so hard at our wedding <laughs> i felt like we left our wedding went to the honeymoon came home the following week weird cosmic shit started to happen that kept us on the road i'm talking about got home from honeymoon i went to my crepe stand job at the farmer's market got a phone call that randomly we were going with art of elysium to con film festival to play some bougie cartier party like what are we're borderline hobos from Charleston? We wore. I got had a dress from Old Navy that was like that. I wore. It was just like I wore my wedding suit. You wore I, just your wedding changed, suit. I just changed my shirt underneath. Ah, and we went. To I've France. worn my wedding suit on Colbert and stuff. Yeah. It's, my, it's my suit. It's suit. <laughs> and we came home from that. And like we went out on tour with Butch Walker. We came home from that. And wait, how did they hear? It? See, I did want to. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Keep finish your point. Well, just though. all these things, yeah. all these opportunities kept coming. You're talking coming. about the frequency wanted to the, be, the dude. Because we were like not even sure. We're like, well, we do this thing together in the bars in Charleston. That's the two of us, and we we're like paying our electric bill with it. We've got these dreams, these other things. We've put this a lot was, of energy into. Just to like clarify the timeline, this was before we were a band. Band. We were we we had other bands, and we were doing stuff. Um, we played bar gigs to to make some dough and rent money and stuff, but it wasn't our our thing. It was like a fun for fun, fun project. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted the for fun project and nobody sick. wanted our, you know, thing that we individually worked for mm-hmm. 10 years a piece right. at. And this thing was just like, you know, it there was, was a frequency coming the through. Frequency. When you're doing something because you just wanted to do it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the cradle of a, a good relationship, I hopefully should grow some of that good stuff. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? That, and it just a, keeps coming. Like there's, yeah. we haven't gone home. I mean, we've been on the road since then with periods of time of being at the most we've been not traveling is when we were pregnant, when we were home having Louisiana and then having Oscar. And other than that, it's been like we might be home for four weeks, hmm. but it's just been cool thing after cool thing after cool thing. Like kind of Because it was let following you, you back. The, the, the project wanted to be. Yeah. I've said it a million, so I'll say it brief. But follow the dream that's following you, right? That's what I like to mm. say. Because people all, they all want to follow their dreams. And every, every good kindergarten teacher told you to follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. But the, what, what's often missing from that is the, the feedback. Like Shovel's Rope was getting this feedback. And I don't just mean buzz. I mean like other bands, things you can trust, wanted you to play with them mm-hmm. because they were picking up on what I'm picking up on when I listen to you guys. So it, it, it wanted to be. And then you become in service of something kind mm-hmm. of greater and groovier than you are. It's just like, wow, this wants to happen. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, so you guys seem so down to earth and, and good and, and pure in what you're doing. There are a lot of people like that that are just kind of recording stuff in their garage. And where do we... 
how did you guys get over the insurmountable challenge of kind of making it in music? Because I love that there's a shot of a, a little like a graph on your on your uh, fridge where you yeah. were writing out. Yeah. You still have it. Yeah, I mapped it all out. Like, okay, here it is. So that was you. Here's the components of how this is going to work. Here's the, this, so- is be- <laughs> this is before the record industry was has had dissolved into the fully streaming model. So I had kind of licensed out. Like I had the partnership with the label, and 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 a lot of if you had drawn this out is a, a scrap of paper that yeah. you were like. Here's how we make it to where we want to make yeah. it. But you took time out of a day to go like, I'm going to think about this abstractly mm-hmm. and specifically. Here's what, here are the bells we need to ring to get where yeah. we want to go. Because I don't, I don't want to just record music in our garage and not have mm-hmm. people love you like the flaming Libra that you are. And, yeah, we, yeah, and we didn't ha- – and the cool thing is and, and the, on the back of that, not written on that paper, was reasonable expectations for what life would be and mm-hmm. like what – it wasn't like we weren't following a big enough dream. It was a, the dream that was following us that we could, that was not easy to get your hands on, but reasonable. Like, okay, we can eke out a comfortable middle-class existence if we just follow this model. And if we don't have this expense, we don't have that expense. And we put all of our things together and in our publishing and we'll say no to certain kinds of structures within the music business to protect our long-term interest because going into debt with a music company doesn't necessarily have the return that you need for the long run. Getting a big advance, getting a big advance or, or basically for that advance, you're buying a say Michael and I have never showed our records to anybody before they're completely finished. Mm -hmm. So Michael and I get to make records and mix and master them. And at some point, Paul, our manager, who we're extremely close with, and he's and the other part of, to answer your question, like how do you f- surmount, you know, the partnerships that we have forged with a very small circle of people that you trust, that we trust have brought us to that. So, you know, Paul um, was a, a friend, somebody that we just kind of knew in the music business. And he maybe expressed interest in being our manager. We just fired our manager and weren't interested in having any manager because we were quite. He was a manager. The previous guy managed each one of us separately. Yeah, super nice guy. Totally had to start over from scratch, just get a new situation. And uh, and between. Was he, when he became Shovels and Rope, was he billing you individually? <laughs> he, was, he didn't like he our was, band. You, you, oh, really? He wasn't into it. I had Ooh, a... that's Donald Glover. He <laughs> fired all his managers because they didn't want him to be a rapper. Isn't that a good one? That yeah. is awesome. I love that one. When somebody's just like, okay, you don't get it. But I, this is one you're stumbled right into one of my biggest passions in the world right now because I want to write another book. I'm going to put this back to you. I'm going to write another book. So I was like, Pete, why sell the book? Why just finish it? What you know what I mean? Like just shovels and rope it. Just write it. You like writing it. You know what it wants to be. Why put some nasty, gross headline uh, deadline over yourself? Why put other people's input in in you before you even need it? Just work on it because you know what you want it to be. Like the way you, it sounds like you guys are making mm-hmm. albums, but like it's it's an art form to kind of ask yourself what kind of life do I want to have. What kind of, and I don't mean like caviar and right. swimming yeah, no. pools. I mean, like, I want to make music as shovels and rope. I want to record records. I like recording records. I like uh, arranging them and playing them live and all that stuff. And these are the sort of goals that I want to have. What do we can, what can we do and what can we eliminate 
that's in between me and, and doing that. But it sounds like you really know what you want to do. So speak about that. Well, a lot of it was, let's. how many shows can we play in a year and how low can we keep our overhead? Really? So we booked as many shows as we could. And we had a little hungry booking agent. Um, and they... Who were they were actually another rock and roll band that were playing in near the gutter circuit and like they were booking our tours from the back of their tour van, which was fun. Wait, yeah. another band was booking your yeah. day? They were they started a business where they would you know, they were on tour and they would book other bands. The they band was somehow, you know, gotten real savvy and made yeah. all these contacts and the just knew sounds. how to do it. So they that's that's some next level stuff right yeah. there. Vulcan it, Army booking agency, that was it. They is so if you great. get a relationship with a club and then they like you and they trust you and you say, I have these other people, they, it's easy and natural for them to be an agent. Yeah. That's brilliant. And it was, <laughs> yeah, they were, they, and it was great because we didn't necessarily know how much we would get paid or if we would get paid, but we knew we had a gig and we just went, we went, we went. And so cutting out the things that are in the, between you and just the performance, the, the step one. What you want to be doing. Is just to pull up stakes and if you're married to your partner and you don't have kids and you can put your dog in the van and you don't have a lot of you know we had cheap rent in like the last wave of cheap rent in charleston we got the last cheap house in charleston and um and 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 just stayed out there and we've been on the road for all this time and that's what it's taken you're so exciting that's so cool (laughs) i just love that it's like you you figure out what do I want? What do I really... And why do I want it? If you really want to get crazy, you're happy when you make music. You feel fulfilled. You feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing when you make music. So how can I just do it? Just fucking do it. Yeah. And get some shit out of the way. Keeping your overhead down is a fancy way of saying live live cheaply. Mm-hmm. And I, Don't as, need stuff. We just had a baby too. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how free we were before we had the baby. I don't feel trapped by the baby. No, but it's I different. would burn down my whole career for my baby. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, right, when you're young and broke, what did, oh, that's what Dimitri Martin said to me. He was like, anonymity is power. He's like, nobody knows who you are. Great, you can be anybody. Yeah. Similarly, if, you don't, if you're like, I don't have a family, I don't have uh, a house, great, you are a nomad, you're a troubadour. Go do whatever you want. You're what are you doing here free. talking to me yeah. right now? You, exactly. Why aren't you on a Vespa in Rome right now? Exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes, that's it. Shouldn't you be picking bananas? Like, what's Go happening? pick bananas and teach English to, <laughs> to Japanese kids just for the story because that's going to be your book. That's great. That's what our nanny did. Is that right? Yeah. Taught English to Japanese kids? Mm-hmm. That's weird that I said that. Yeah. What are you, psychic? You weird? Weirdo. You just made it weird. The third track should be the first track. Sorry. The third track's more of a first track sound to me. I'm just I'm just tapping into something right now. I'm, I'm okay. just kidding. Are, are you that, that way Michael? when you listen to an album you're like that sounds like a first track? You know what I mean? You I do. I have a thing about the third tra- the third track is either the single or it's the ballad to me. Like I feel like oh. I have the third track I've always had a thing about. Yeah, there's a thing with it. And back when CDs had colors, I was like this album is red. It's a red album, yeah, and now I albums can, don't I have can, colors anymore. Yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. I, I definitely, if there is, if there's a striking color on the record, it's just in there forever. It's in there. Yeah, you can't get away from it. Yeah, those some of those albums that I used to listen to on CD, I'm like, that is a hot pink record. I can't get away. <laughs> and it was a pink record. Mm-hmm. I love pink. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't not love pink. But anyway, that is un- incredibly inspiring. So, and then. 
what was what was the first break that you were hoping to get opening for other people or or was it just it sounds that like you it. just jumped you were doing your own shows and then how did they see you and how did you hook up with this first band that called you in the crepe station it was like um well the, they called us in the crepe station there's people you probably have worked in LA the the it's like a big charity organization called Art of Elysium there um uh, i think it's like really kind-hearted rich celebrities raising money for different really important causes that need their money. Mm-hmm. And in this sense, um, they had a bougie party with everybody who was famous. It was really weird. But we went and it was fun. <laughs> but the real thing was, the real career starter is like in a hot row. It was We went out with Hayes Carl, Butch Walker, Avet, not Avet Brothers, the Fleece Brothers. And Justin Towns And Justin Towns Earl. And those were back to back to back. And we played in we, front yeah we couldn't we couldn't stay off the road it was just like we kept getting things we couldn't say no we couldn't you say no to things it because the shows were good yeah I, i'm really in the dark here how but, does this work <laughs> people were just like uh they they just we were cheap we didn't take up a lot of we were space on small stage. footprint you know just two Is people at low maintenance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we weren't crazy you know we were like uh weren't super young either you know like there are are bands that are really young and green that you know they're paying the ass to have on tour. Yeah. Um, so you were like easy to do. <laughs> like we could get these guys to do this, mm-hmm. and, and the, they won't cause a stink, and they'll put on a great show. Mm-hmm. And as we were doing this, we had um, a record that Carrie's solo record, which she had just made in 2010. My solo record, which I made in 2010, and this record that we had made in 2008 together when it was just for fun. And um, so we already had three records to sell. Yeah. And it, it was like, we were a little bit, we we were well prepared at the time to yeah. kind of like take advantage of the, of that situation and being in front of those people. And we'd be, you know, go out and hustle merch and, um, you know, do all the things that we and not be a dick. I have to imagine was part Michael, of Michael. I sold the merch, and Michael handled breaking down all the gear and packing up. Really and settling. Yeah, I, that's he had, yeah, that was better. Had, <laughs> better that way, right? Yeah. But when you met other bands and other people, I, I have. I'm just thinking, there's some people out there that are doing what you're doing, but it's not clicking for them. And I'm wondering, there has to be something about being decent people, nice people. What do we, like in a writer's room? You call it the eleven p.m. test. It's like, do I want to be in a writer's room with this person at eleven p.m. because we're doing a rewrite? So being pleasant, I, I think part of it. working hard and being kind. You know, like we're we're we know how it is and have been doing it for a long time and always just you know you can't go wrong if you are kind to other people and give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard and it is hard at two in the morning when somebody wants to hang and like I'm trying to load some shit into the van and you know they're like want to talk to you about their band and whatever you know right and um and but yeah we've just we've we were we try to be nice yeah (laughs) and was somebody in particular like took you under the wings well there was a booking agent um andrew colvin who was, I know Andrew. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if you did because yeah, he's one of his was, cats. Uh, that worked. And, uh, that he, joke doesn't I don't know work what agency he works. I think he has his own now. At, oh, he was he was booking the bands that were taking us out. out, and so he was probably whispering in the you know like, how hey, about these guys? These guys are doing some stuff that you know nobody's complaining that. about them. They're, 
Karate kicks. kicks. Michael, teenage karate (laughs) kicks. I love it. That's so cool. And what about you guys, the relationship? You hinted to it a little bit being in therapy and stuff. It's just one of those nice gifts you can give people. Some of the things you've learned working this close together. Some of that duplassness that we've talked about. I mean, you say in the movie, it's great. The good thing about the road is being together all the time. The bad thing about being on the road is being together all the Mm -hmm. time. Can you speak to that a little? It's probably put a lot of mileage on our relationship, but because we've afforded ourselves, I feel like we have a great therapist and we're good at talking to each other anyway. Are we Skyping this therapist? We haven't had to, but once. We tried once and it was, it kept freezing and it was like, it was an intense conversation and she would just be stuck in the middle and we're like, uh, it just made everybody more angry. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> what is the, what is, this is just, feel free to just sure. duck this question. What is the issue? If, if there is an issue, what is the issue that you, that you work on, that you polish? We're I on a d- couch. That's <laughs> true. I'm holding in my answer so hard because this, ah! this is the thing. Can I tell you? That wh- is the thing that oh, we work me. on is that I'm always wanting to be the one that says the stuff. Uh, I'm like, Michael's formulating his answer in his mind and I can see his mind working and I'm already like spitting out the vocabulary words. Like Interesting. Well, and it's also... <laughs> you think while you're talking. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> it's also, you know, I mean... Carrie has a great thing to say most of the time, and um, so I know you didn't mean that to be funny, but it was funny. <laughs> was it funny? She has a great thing to say most of the time. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was wrong. Emphasis. No, funny. I like that. I like. I knew you didn't mean it that way, which is what made it extra funny. But you know, like uh, I think that each one of us has to trust the other one. Uh, because we, we're around other people. We're in these. We're in social and business situations like this all the time. And um, we both have a lot of, you know, faith in the other person. I think that it's taking a breath and allowing the, and just, you know, when somebody's on, just let them go. And, you know, it's probably trickier for me because my engine starts a little bit slower. Um, But we just, giving, giving each other space in that setting and also giving each other space and physical space in uh on the road and like if you want to go meditate or go for a run you know like we schedule time apart mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> almost yeah val just went on a five-day retreat by herself and that was a really big thing uh, wow but that was a really big thing was that her first time away from it the was bay? her first time away from the baby yeah and i go you you touched on it earlier i have a little i'll go away for two nights three nights so I have these things, and then she was like, she doesn't like being alone. She likes being together, and I don't like. Well, I'm okay with being alone, but I, I prefer to be together. So it was really good for both of us. First of all, I was kicking with the baby for five days straight, just me. We have help for uh, a couple, four or five hours a day, which is when I would be writing. But the rest of the day, she would. The nanny comes at one, so from six to He's one, got the that's eight hours. I was saying yeah. to Val, I was like, oh, yeah. So when Val came home, it was good. We were like, wow, this is crazy. I, I always hang out with the baby in the morning, but like, it was good for me to be like, it's a lot to be with the baby for eight hours and then work for four hours and then be with the baby another six hours or whatever it is. And then you have the evening, and then you're going to bed at ten. And she was alone, and she said, "This is beautiful." She was like, "I get it. Like when you go to a hotel." And no one's there, uh, and no one's looking for you. <laughs> you're just sort of like, 
Yeah, this isn't. It isn't all just sleeping in and fun. There's something sort of lonely, lonely yeah. about that dinner on your bed. It's even more lonely when there's somebody at home that you love yes. and that you really want to be. And there's two of them. Yeah, and there's a little baby. I can't. I don't even know how to do it. So we got to see both sides, but we were like, "Wow, this is really good." So we're going to keep doing that, like trying to have some of those personal retreats for, for spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. And also it has this added relational benefit. So you guys are looking for that balance. Mm-hmm. But when you're touring, I totally see that you're like, maybe even before you need it, it sounds like something a therapist would say, mm-hmm. before you need it, schedule it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, I can't. And then you go walk around to Target because that's where you walk when you're on the road. On the road yeah. You go like, <laughs> No, I love this. this is, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you take a stroll. Jim Gavigan has a great joke. He goes, Walmart, or we called it the mall. <laughs> Which is great. So you guys are looking for that balance for alone time and also in the relationship, the balance of not uh, not sinking into your, your more quietness and not overexpanding into mm-hmm. your loudness. The yeah. space, you know, the space for each person to like shine in their own individual ways and... I think when Merle hears this podcast, she could be real proud of us. Uh-huh. That's your therapist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I'm a She's big great. fan. I'm a huge fan of therapy. Yeah. I never, you know, I was an angstful teenager, and none of the therapies I went to, I felt like they were all just like either drug this kid, settle her down, or like, I don't know, I never really felt like I had connected with a therapist or I was just soft. I felt like I was seeing through their bullshit. Like you don't understand what's going on. They probably always did. I just wasn't really listening to them because I was an angry teenager. So funny. But this lady, this like we have, you know, I wish everybody in the world could have, I feel like it should be afforded to us as part of our like wellness programs in general, because what is more important, uh, than like investing in the well-being of the family unit, whatever that unit is, even if you're like the stigma to mental health, just because you can't like touch it or x-ray it. I mean, it's so, so huge. That's what, even when we were alone, I was like, I was saying to Val that what I had to do because I was by myself so much was I would just say the emotion I was feeling like I was by myself and I'd go like despair. (laughs) And then I'd hear the baby coo and I'd go joy. And then I'd look at the bathroom and I'd go, an eerie sense that I've been, like, I've been alive before. <laughs> like, I, this is like an, a, a second life or something. And then, but I'd have in one minute every feeling. And I was like, this is what we need therapists for. Life is so much more complicated. I don't buy when someone's just like, that's old Jim. Old Jim eats a can of tuna fish in the morning and he, and he stands in the river and shoots bass at, at night. <laughs> He's just a simple guy. I'm like, fuck that. Like, look a little bit deeper. We're all stuck in these like static electricity balls of everything. It's you know just what I'm our, mo- and we our need help. molecules are just going, yes. they're banging into each other. Like we need, it's not embarrassing to need help and it's not strong to not get help. It's not to just be like, all I need is the radio and a glass of scotch. I'm like, why do you need the scotch or why do you need the sugar? Why do you need the pizza? Or why do you need nine hours of TV or why do you sleep for 14 hours? Because life is overwhelming. And if we can help each other just a little bit, we can be alive and aware and awake more of the day and, and feel okay about that. Mm-hmm. This has been fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is what I wanted. This is what I'm here for. Oh, some good therapy. I came. I came yeah, what for... are you doing today? What is the, what is today for? Like, what is L.A. for? Today? Yeah, what are you doing here? We, like, what is your life like right now? Like, you say, this is what I came for. I'm curious, wh- where are you right now? Where am I right now? Um, my, my very... I can't speak to Michael because I'm sure he's having his own, but my current cosmic state is I'm in a comfortable place in a city that I have fun in now that I used to be afraid of, mm-hmm. talking, having a cool conversation with for, with you who I like. I love you. I shouldn't love you because we don't know <laughs> each other, but I feel like I love I love where you're from. I love your mind, and I feel like I really wanted to come and have us hang out and like have a conversation as honest and just relaxed and, and cool and kind of be in this little vortex. I wanted to come to your little home studio and like, <laughs> and hang out with Kate and just put my foot on your dusty, dusty treadmill. That's just like our dusty treadmill, except that's not true. Our treadmill is not dusty because my husband is on that sucker every day. Oh shit. 40 minutes a day. Really? Meditation. I'd tre- yeah, I'd be treadmilling. Uh He's he- on a journey. He's totally on, on like a like a spirit. I'm not what on it. I'm watching it. I wanted <laughs> to be on it. I want to be on the train that he's on to wherever he's going. Tranquility. Yeah, it's great. What, what are you you're meditating while you're on the treadmill? No, oh. uh, but I have done a walk of like some walking meditations before. Oh. I thought it was pretty was interesting. There's like a toothbrushing meditation. Really? Yeah. Have it's you, from headspace, headspace or like? Yeah, we can say it. Uh, no, no, it's not headspace. It's um, calm. No, 10% what's the ten percent happier? We have all of them. Yeah, <laughs> tried them all. Uh, and I think that the you know the like the catalyst for starting was a little bit of road madness, you know, and um, and. It's just struggling with all the with with all the things and new baby and um like how do I I I just knew I needed to to make some shifts yeah and you uh, basically decided not to drink through your father's passing away and you're like well if I'm not gonna drink my way through grief I'm gonna what else can I do I'll exercise and I'll meditate my way through it instead of drinking my way through it yeah that was a big part of it that's oh. funny we had friends that are sad just last night and we were like oh they're going skinny sad not fat sad, skinny <laughs> like, sad. Yeah. Some, some people go fat sad <laughs> like when i got divorced i went fat sad yeah. Yeah. some people go skinny sad so you went skinny sad You're yeah skinny well sad. uh we had um we lost a friend in 2015 uh, or 16 um just suddenly he was shot oh, he wow. was um leaving his you know leaving his job and he got held up and shot and uh it was it was crazy and sudden and our you know our community in charleston is really is small and um you know everybody was everybody was heartbroken and we and kind of drank hard it was like some i don't know it was we drank grieving and it was the and drinking and um I, i almost feel like it you know, it it was bad. It made things worse. Mm-hmm. And um, then I've had deaths like that, by the way, where as the grieving person and the drinking, it's almost like you're doing this poisonous thing to you to drag yourself through the ugliness of it. You know what I mean? Like the pain and the, the cigarettes and the coughing and the barfing almost seemed like 
what you wanted. Yeah. Like you wanted totally. to be like nasty and sad and like fight club. Here's up. the context. Yeah, you want to gonna... beat yourself up. Yeah. 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 And um, so that's really hard. I'm sorry about that. Well, it was you know it was just you know fast forward and uh, my dad is we're losing my dad and um, he passes away. Uh, he had a. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. <clears throat> and um, we, I don't know, I just kind of made a decision in my mind, like, I want to be present through this experience. and That's heavy, man. Um, that's, that's beautiful. I want to, you know, I want to try this a different way. And, and it's like... You had to be there for your mom, too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was it, basically. Just but witnessing the feelings instead of this is Val and I all day. We're talking about like what are we numbing, and what's wrong with just experiencing it. I know that we don't like these things. Like certainly physical pain, that emotional pain is interpreted by the brain in a very similar way to physical pain. It's, uh-huh. it's like being in a vice. So I understand the desire to numb. And then what we're talking about when I was just alone is like, what are these unpleasant things where I'm just like, despondency, like I'm just saying alone. <laughs> but like two seconds later, I'm like, giddiness or whatever, like it's all happening. But like, it's an act of courage to go like, I'm going to look at this and it's okay to feel absolutely heartbroken. It's okay. And it's, and it's human. It's part of being alive. And I think a lot of our models are like shovel dirt on it, shovel sand on it, like just damp it down. It's not right. We're supposed to feel good all Mm -hmm. the time. And there's something really beautiful about like, I guess we could use it. You're honoring your grief for your dad in in a different way. Yeah. I, I, I don't even, you know, and I'm not like, I've been like a heavy drinker or anything like that. And it wasn't a, uh, well, I'm going to just, I'm just gonna this now's the time to sober up. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like I feel like I wanna feel this. You know, I wanna feel I wanna feel it all the way and um and just be with it. And it sounds like you know, exact it's just, it sounds like meditation, but it's like It is. That's a toothbrush meditation. <laughs> So there's a number of comedians I know. Chelsea Pretty is, has one of the great ones where she's like, you know, you're brushing your teeth and you're like, oh, this again, right? And it kills and it kills me. It's so funny. And then I was reading Richard Rohr and he has this amazing point where he was like, how you do anything is how you do everything. So it's like, that's really slowed me down when I'm brushing my teeth mm-hmm. or feeling an unpleasant emotion. There's also a Gunger lyric that people I was referencing earlier that I, when I'm on the road and I'm lonely, I listen to the song all the time. It's called One one wildlife and the chorus is um i think it's love love the rise and fall i want to feel it all uh-huh and i just say it like a mantra over and over i just i want to feel it all i'm the universe being lonely right now i'm the universe missing my baby right now like i'm the universe wishing somebody would talk to me right now, or whatever it is yeah or like feeling sorry for myself right now <laughs> or whatever it is so you're feeling grief yeah or you were feeling grief. i was feeling grief. i mean it's you know, we're, we constantly deal with it. My mom is, um, you know, she's deal she's dealing with it and she's been up and down and, um, and she, you know, she's still, you know, she goes to yoga and she goes to grief class and she's kind of in the best spot that she's been since. And, um, yeah, everybody, I don't know. We're just like, was pretty, it a pretty tight group? A long Alzheimer's? I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. No, it yeah. was, it, it was. It was about five years. Um, yeah, it was kind of like there were two stages of it. There was the 
pre-diagnosed something's not right mm. phase. How did that manifest? Just like, she, he couldn't find things. He kept forgetting where he was putting things. And, um, and repeating himself. And repeating himself. And my mom kept telling other people, saying, uh, you know, she would she'd be like, yeah, he's doing this all the time. I think something's not right. And then she even made some doctor's appointments and brought him in. And, um, I mean, that was a weird conversation to have with him anyways. Like, I think we need to bring you in mm. for some things, you know? And uh, everybody's, you know, he went undiagnosed for, for quite a while. And then we finally did get the diagnosis in, what, it's like 2014. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the last couple of years, it it really ramped up, you know, and then he... Isn't 2014 when the shooting happened, too? 2015, 15, okay. I think, was when the shooting happened. So yeah, because Louis was born... No, Louis... no, it was 2016 when Eric was Yeah, because Louis was in May, April or of that year. Louis was born in September, September. And then... She was a few months old. It was April, yeah. yeah. And then your father passed in December the following year, yeah? It was December two thousand sixteen. No, eighteen, seventeen. I don't know. It it was. uh, I guess I'm just saying it was like a heavy time. It was a lot of things. We (laughs) had two two deaths and two births in like you know uh, four. Wow. Four years. Mm, Wow. So it it was slow and and very difficult. It's one of the more emotionally wrenching ways to lose somebody. I guess is what I'm touching. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yes, and and to the point that when when he did cross over, that it was it was so sad, but it was also a sense of peace. Like, are we really going? This man is going to say this is how the suffering that people endure is. This what happens? Mm. It's like it's very mm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but I think it's you know you you're born. We're here for a while. We don't ever know when we get to leave. We don't know what circumstances we get to leave. He had the greatest family, the greatest wife, awesome life. Partied from the time he got here to like the last year. I mean, a quality of life that would be, you know, enviable. And the way that it ended is so sad. But I'm so glad that 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 part, like the really really awful part, went by kind of quickly mm. when he had to leave our home. And move into a, a spot, you know, it, the, the decline usually ramps up at that point. Yeah, they just they change the meds and, uh, you know, all the terrible things that you hear about happening. And like the, you know, just the, all the the dignity, you know, of it. And, um, it you know, that it's just a hard thing. And all, all of it happened. And then, um, you know... My mom called me up and uh, we were making plans for December, you know, for Christmas or whatever. And um, she said, it's time, you know, it's you should probably fly out here if you want to be here. So uh, me and both my brothers and my sister and my mom all got to be there with him, like for his final day. Mm. And uh, it was really kind of a beautiful thing. You know, we we all. Uh, we were going to go get some groceries or some food. And so me and my two brothers, you know, kissed him on the head and kind of said goodbye and then um, walked out and drove down the street. And it was like all the kids had left the room and just my mom was there. And then he, then he went and it was like, 
Mm. Um, it's kind of beautiful and right. special. It sounds like a movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's something about just your mom and him doing it together after the goodbye. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wow. She's such a cool lady. She's like my best friend. I love her so His much. Mom? We're super tight. Yeah. Mike's mom. Wow. Yeah. She's, a, she's rad. She's rad granny. Rad granny. <laughs> she knows the internet. So she, yeah. So now she comes out and stays with us when we're home and she gets t- to spend yeah, a lot of time with the grandkids. And Get out of here. She's studying up on her Sicilian genealogy and we're going to go to Italy in April and like hang out in Sicily and see if anybody of our cousins are over there. And get on that Vespa you were talking and about. And get on that Vespa. That's all I ever wanted. I want, of my 20s, I, I regret nothing except I never got to run around like a cute Italian boy ride me around on his Vespa and kiss me. And so I married a cute Italian boy. So hopefully I'll get a cute Italian boy to kiss me on a Vespa in Sicily. Oh. Well, I bet we can make that happen. You know any cute Italian boys? Yeah, I, I, I'm sitting I'm next sh- to I'm one. thinking of one right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to hook you up with somebody. He's hook me up. Yeah. Damien. Yeah. <laughs> and does Call sadness help with creativity for you, or does it get in the way? Um, I think sadness, always, sadness, anger, and self-loathing drive my creative process. Mm. But I don't have to be there to do it, but I do find, since I've ha- been... I've, overwhelmingly happy for the last 10 years um that you definitely looking outside at the like at the world and writing about that but a lot of my writing from my end is a lot of my inspiration is just like things i want to change about myself so i'll be like coaching myself out into something in a song mm-hmm. you're and singing to yourself yeah I'm like you can you can do a better job of this or you're searching for this and you're only getting here but you could get here like a lot of that is my consciousness trying to help me be better and it it sounds like i'm talking to somebody else but i'm usually talking to myself (laughs) um but yeah we're like happy so we have to find you know we we're lucky we aren't suffering very much and we we wrote a whole album based on like our kind of like our personal journey with our folks and our kids Little Seeds was very much about that. And up to that mo- time, we pretty much wrote about everything else. We hadn't really wrote about what's going on in our life specifically. Mm. And uh, that record was very much that way. And this new record is too, but it's kind of looking like f- two people forged in the fire on the other side. Like, I think a little bit more hopeful and not quite as uh, overwhelmed with the the cycle of mortality like michael and i just felt like two deer in the headlights like oh shit we're grown our parents are aging we have children the earth is crumbling there's the people the syrian children are in trouble and there's no hope for the world like what are we gonna do right <laughs> right yeah we're grown-ups now when did this happen yeah i, don't I just know. want everything to be you know the bliss of ignorance you know but yeah it's not it you know it's hmm. cool I mean, that you're writing about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're, like, how lucky are we that we get to process the, our feelings our, for our job, you know? Like, yeah. uh, it, basically, we can, we can, we're our own, you know, we're working out our own shit and writing a song, being productive at the same time. I mean, it sounds kind of, yeah. it sounds a little weird, but. I came yeah, home, speak, speaking of our nanny, I, I came home, her name's Katie, and I came home. She's a stand-up as well. 
And I said to her something that I say to Val often, Val was out of town. And I was like, I don't know what other people are doing. Like, I felt so much better. I went out and talked about my fears and my insecurities and my inadequacies and being a parent and all these things. And I came home and I just felt like I always, like, I've never done cocaine, but it must be what cocaine feels like. I came home and I was like, I don't know what other people are doing, especially people in my family that share my genetics. I'm like, what are they doing? Mm. What are they doing? And I'm so grateful that I... And I hope everybody can find that thing. For you guys, it's music. For me, it's comedy. For some people, it's writing. For some people, it's solitude. I don't know what it is, but you got to find that thing that makes you go like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm so glad that I found more than one thing that does that. Yeah. And the thing that you do, you know, it resonates and it helps other people feel better, you know? Right. I know. I I mean, I I appreciate that. That's that's why. What is that? Can you hand me that postcard that's on the printer? See that one, Katie? Gladness. Can you read that for? I can see the word gladness. Everything else is blurry. Thank you, Katie. It says the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I'm like, that's it. That's Frederick. I always say it wrong. It's Beckner or Buckner. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I remember where I was when I figured out that, like, doing service or helping people doesn't mean it, it has to be something that you hate. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't mean you have to be up at five in the morning doing some sort of street cleaning or something mm-hmm. uh, for your community. It can be sharing your music or whatever, mm-hmm. which you guys enjoy. Mm-hmm. But then it also helps people feel less alone. Yeah. What do you think about the meaning of life? You know, we talk about that. Oh, shit. <laughs> about it all the time <laughs> i love um i don't know on a biological level i feel like i don't know i think at some point if we just talk about our animal self which is the biological part of replicating our genes and making sure there's like our species is knocking around doing whatever Can devastation it is but, it's so hot in here. but like biologically yes by the biological part of it but maybe the point is to is to love things and to be happy and enjoy and enjoy what there is to enjoy when you're here. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Or is it easy for me to say that because I live a life? I always, I always try to frame whatever I'm thinking about. I always try to reference like, okay, I'm a mother in America living my dream. What is, you know, what is a what is a mother in Yemen? feeling right now about that same question like what's the meaning of life you're running for your life with your baby in your arms and will you find a simple joy in that day is there room for simple joys that i don't take for granted i woke up in echo park there's a beautiful apple tree outside of our house my daughter is picking a lemon it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen just because we're living in peace and beauty in this moment in this bubble and it's easy for me to say that the meaning of life is to enjoy the enjoy it right yeah, no, I know it's it's hard to find a model of meaning of life that applies to every circumstance, mm-hmm. but it's very compassionate of you to consider that. I mean, the answer of just like, like I feel like a, a lot of Americans would just say like it's to enjoy it, like don't waste it. But that is valuable. You have been given a gift and a bubble, mm-hmm. a bubble and some privilege, so that's important to not squander it for mm-hmm. sure. And to and to think of others in your abundance, like if you've got. If you've got something and somebody needs it and there's no reason for you not to share it, especially if there's more coming where that came from, you should share it. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's no, uh, it seems like 
abundance, maybe our abundance could be limited. Maybe we won't always have the comfort to which we've become accustomed, but it seems like, you know, we keep creating the same thing over and over again. And there's enough to pay our employees well and to hope and dream that they might, you know, have health insurance through their job and, and right. that we might donate to, you know, 401k. Oh, like these are the things that excite time, me. I, I fast about growth. I literally, um, fantasize about if I was the CEO of a huge, huge, huge corporation. And you always hear like in America, we're always just like, well, how can you just make the corporation bigger? I was talking about this on Lewis Howe's podcast where it's like, there's no like give and take in a lot of these things. That's what makes them sort of like unnatural yeah. is that the American corporation is just supposed to get bigger every year. That's mm-hmm. its only goal is right. to get bigger every year. I was like, what if one of these dudes like, it, it's a shame, you know, that we don't have a go-to model for this, but if they turned on and woke up and was like, this is it. And we're all out of here and we're all going to die. How can I make a legacy of like taking care of all these people and like having a company that's like gives back and, and provides and all this stuff. But you know, well, consider like a tree, like a tree, its roots grow at the same as its top grows. So the, right. the top is as big as the roots are underneath. Wow. If you don't grow the roots, if the base of your tree is shallow, right. the bigger that your branches, it's going to, right. it'll topple over and die. Like there's, that's right. I'm sure that that, that, that natural model, when you think of about business, like the people who create wealth for a corporation are, they are the creators of the wealth. And they should benefit from right. the nutrition. <laughs> right, right. I likened it to breathing. It's like there's, there's in-breath and out-breath. That's the give and the take that's built into our, our physiology, right? And it's supposed to be how we live our lives. It's supposed to go up and down. And mm. we're supposed to be loud sometimes and quiet sometimes and all that sort of stuff. But the American corporation often is just going... <laughs> Just like a never ending, <laughs> it's a never ending inhale, yeah. and I was like, "That is just we just know on a primal level that that's Charlie not Sheen right. in the eighties. Yes, that's <laughs> that you can't Sheen in the eighties. Your business model there needs to be give and take and up and down. What do you think, Michael? Um, I think basically doing doing a good job with what you've been given. You know, um, understand that is a gift to be here. I mean, nobody really knows what we're doing here or what, you know, what the next thing is. But, um, you know, there's like, there's just something inside of you. I feel like some kind of a compass that is like, you know, if you see somebody, try to see them, you know, try to see what they, um, you know, what, how can you help? How can you, um, do a good job with what with what you've got. Can you make somebody feel a little bit better? Or can you, uh, you know, it's all these things that they teach little kids, even in even in Bible school. You know, it's like Bible school is cool up to a certain point. I feel like with the, the little kids, <laughs> yeah. all these lessons are great lessons. You know, yeah. just like the very base. You know, love your neighbor and share. Right. And, uh, well, you actually, you touched on two things that Richard Rohr says. One is, is framed in my house. I'll show you on the way out. It says, humbly and proudly return what you've been given. Right. So that's like, you do what you're supposed to do and share it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, he says, is sort of like the summation of what love is, is seeing yourself in someone else. And you both touched on that. So it's not just like um, giving to people. It's like recognizing that we're all 
in it together, that we're all just sort of in the same predicament and we're all the same thing. Right. And that's why we give to each other, not just to be good, but because there's like a, oh, right. It's, it's this. That's yeah, what that's, we are. I am you. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. I love it. And so do you believe in any sort of God? Do you have any story on that? That's interesting. I do. I'm, I'm kind of, I wasn't, my faith didn't scar me the way I feel like Michael, you know, Michael was basically cast out and told he was going to hell. And, you know, instead of helping him, he was kind of abandoned by the church in high school. And I'm I'm not, I'm sorry. I I get a little bit defensive about them because Mm -hmm. I feel like they, they really (laughs) did a number on you. And it's really unfortunate because I like, again, I was raised in a much more grace based Christianity and, um, I feel called back in some ways, not necessarily to the institution of the church, but to the community of church. And do you think it's because of the kids and stuff? It's definitely because of his kids, yeah. and it's yeah. because I want I want there to be some kind of external structure. Um, but also, like, why do I want that? Is it just because I was raised that way too? Like, why do I feel compelled to baptize our children? Not really sure why, but I do feel maybe. I didn't a, know that. Yeah, I do. I feel like a com- a, I'm compelled to raise them in the loose confines of the church, so that they might identify with like something. But also, like the whole time, we're going to be like, nope, not that Leviticus. Not sure about all that, honey. Like, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Leviticus is underrated. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's it's not There's so much hot action it's in Leviticus. Not, right, great stuff. Um, or just like having. I have, I have, I just know something is there because why would it all be just so amazing and fragile and also sustaining? I'm also quite convinced that we're, that our, that aliens visited us and our half of our divine self is probably like just a consciousness that's way bigger than anything that our like organic matter can sustain. So maybe God is a big alien. I don't know. Something yeah. has made us different than all the other creatures. And if it's holiness, like a holy divine spark, or if aliens came down and got with the Egyptians, I'm, I don't really know. That's but- so interesting. I love those theories. I love them. <laughs> like there's, I, I forgot who explained it to me, but it was like, when it comes to us learning farming and like architecture and building and all this stuff, they're like, it happened so much faster than everything else happened. It's like we were doing nothing. And then all of a sudden we were doing everything. Yeah. And that's where I have my most fun with your like, well, clearly I was just, it's so weird that you said this because no one ever says that. Nobody ever goes aliens. And I love going aliens. (laughs) Is that like, where are we? Right. We're in outer space. It stands, and we never think about it. Right. You never think about it. It's just like not in, would rather think about a deity than the potential of something in this expanding infinity that we all sort of agree upon. You know what I mean? That we're, we're in, that you can look out, you can get out of this room and look up and there it is. I mean, so, even the flat earthers agree that there's space out there. That's right. Everybody agrees that we're in space. That's right. <laughs> so... I'm reading this book. Uh, it's a science fiction book, and it's sort of is. It, it's called Weird Legion, Weird Bob. It's the same kind of idea that he's this drone with uh, artificial intelligence, and he's going and finding other civilizations, and he's interacting with them in a godlike way. And I was like, man, this makes so much sense that something out there that was more advanced came and saw and nurtured us, and that we would tell stories about it. 
I mean, it's just as valid as any of the others. Yeah, I mean, I what it. the spark is so weird. Like, why are we different? Why did one day that I mean, the Bible tells the story like we ate an apple, and it's as simple as our consciousness turned on. Right. But like, wonder why? Wonder why our consciousness right. turned on? Where you get the different? I think what is it? There's like an X. I'm not. I should read uh, Sapiens. There's there's like a difference between chimpanzees and us that's very like inexplicable. Like where did that's why we talk about the missing link. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that something manipulated our DNA? Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole summation of ancient aliens. Did yeah. something come and go? Yeah, tweaky tweaky. <laughs> and by the way, uh, you can put out your crops and rows and water them. And this is how you store meat. We gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, thank you. We'll pay you forever. <laughs> but why is that so stupid? We hate it. Like I can hear people. I can. I maybe I'm. I'm definitely projecting because i can't see them but i feel like people roll their eyes when you start talking about this stuff but i'm like it's not that implausible when you consider the infinite possibilities that we are surrounded by Mm -hmm. just because we can't travel at light speed i'm like you know go on you get it so i love your answer thank you it's (laughs) you can't help but ponder it though yeah and they're not inseparable like for me i feel like from y'all's background like god and science there's like a hard line where they're like almost contested against each other Mm mm-hmm like uh, evolution, that's right. against God because how could you know it's explained in this way and this is? A, but they're the same. God right. is science. Like right. you can't tell me why science the, is studying the behavior of isness, isness, and God is, and you can only yeah. get so far, right? Like you're the one that's going on about our molecules and how strange it is, yeah. and that's all. That and, and that it's <laughs> it sounds like me. And they're just <laughs> flying around, and it's just amazing. Yeah, we're in a room of of television static right now. <laughs> And but I'm over here like, I'm these dots. And you guys are <laughs> like, well, these are what these dots think. And you either think that's amazing or you don't. You yeah. know, like some yeah. people are just like, that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. But it'll never stop being like, we're in a, a soup right now. It helps and me it, not just want to, it helps me stay here. Yeah. And whatever our, you know, whatever our minds, our molecule minds are doing right now, it's like, it feels right to marvel at that. You yeah, know? that's like, right. This is that that thing is bigger than me. I feel and, humbled by that. And because we are creation, we have been created by something. I'm not saying God. Mm. Creation has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we create, we're more like we could call it the creator, or we're just more like creation. We're more in flow with creation. That's why it feels good to pay uh, give wonder to what is, what has been created, and that's one of the reasons why I think it feels so good to create stuff. And that brings me back to why I get so emotional watching your movie or listening to you guys play. I'm like, here's creation creating more stuff. Mm -hmm. There's more, more exists. And that is the nature of everything is more and more and more. It's this abundance. Everything's splitting and duplicating and replicating and growing. And it's fucking crazy. And to be a part of that for me is where the juice is. And that goes back to your answer, Michael, to return what you've been given is to, is a way of saying like, create more. And it doesn't have to be art. Whatever you're doing is a creation. If you're not creating art, you're creating a thing that doesn't create art. You know, you're you can't escape it. You're 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 dancing your part. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's we're so lucky. Smoke some weed. Did you see that? <laughs> did you watch? Uh, what's that show with uh, Fred Armisen and um, Maya Rudolph? Yes, I didn't watch it. Okay, well, there's there's a great little part um, where. I won't spoil the thing for you, but you should watch it. Is this the show called Forever on... Is it called Forever? Forever. I think it is it's called, called Forever. Forever. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like this sort of afterlife situation. And the, and it's uh, that part's been spoiled for me. I know I know about that. And she, uh, 
she's frustrated with the pointlessness of the afterlife. And um, she's like, well, is that it? What's the point of all this? And he's like, well, what was the point of the thing before? Yeah. You know? Um, the point of it is that it is. is yeah, it's just say. like, yeah. I, I don't know. It was, it, it seems like if you can, um, I don't know, just like some acceptance and... Um, That's it. Non-resistance is the whole thing. Yeah. The thought that you're going to be in a heaven and floating around, a lot of people believe going to heaven and just you're just Dan, but you're without a body. You're just ghost Dan. And that you're going to be in heaven, but somebody's going to be licking your butthole the whole time. So you're just going to be like, this is the best. <laughs> that doesn't fly. It doesn't work. You're going to get existential there too. You're going to be like, but this is forever. What, yeah. what was the point of what all do I do? Like here? there's no satisfaction in the ego and the ego is always going to want to know why and why, but the heart just gives away the store and just says yes to everything and just realizes that it's here and now and it's not somewhere else and it's not getting a, a better angel to lick your butthole <laughs> it's just it's just here and now so that's that's heaven that's it i love that heavy is somebody gonna be licking your butthole i just want someone yet? to lick my butthole so badly <laughs> is that what you winged. said i just want a winged <laughs> celestial creature to go all right <laughs> And that's their heaven. <laughs> that's they just want a doughy baby's been, butt on a man. I've been waiting for this Lithuanian my whole yes. life. <laughs> <laughs> they get right in there. And just like your hi-hat, they have to put the, the halo behind yeah. them. Yeah, they, they that have to is their heart behind a, their... <laughs> it's a 90-minute callback. Um, well, we always you guys are a delight. I'm so honored that you guys came on. Thank you for doing it. Do you feel good? Thank you. I'm yeah, so excited to be here. And I'm so glad you did it. Can you think of a time that you either together or individually laughed really, really hard? And as I always say, it doesn't have to be a great story. But if you're laughing and tears are coming down your face and your belly hurts, where are you? How old are you? What's the situation? I, I think I have one. You do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad was dying of Alzheimer's. And... Um, that's it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> we we That's had bought some Trent Reznor comedy right there. We I had like bought that. him dark. Um, we went to the store in Colorado and got some uh, some THC capsules. Or something. I made him some. I made him some THC capsules. What do you mean you made him some? Well, I went to the dispensary and I talked to the guy and I said, "My father-in-law has Alzheimer's." I want something to help him with his anxiety. I want something to make him relax. I want something to make him feel present. And he gave me um, a tincture, which I mixed with coconut oil and separated into the proper amount of, you know, five milligram doses of this, you know, it, was like, yeah, it had a lot of CBD dripper. in it because I didn't want him to feel too high because he's, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I just wanted him to have. We're hitting all the Pete's picks today. All, yeah. <laughs> Let's get in the sauna and take some trails. Yeah. <laughs> and we, yeah, we put them in all these little capsules. And we and we were and we all took them to make sure that they weren't crazy. Well, there was a, a control group, right? Yeah. Like um, <laughs> we, it was me and my brother Wade and and you and my mom was there, just kind of like. I don't know about this and um and my dad and so we're all sitting in the living room and um you know he was getting real antsy and he was leaving all the time and wandering and like um uh, he was consumed trying to get consumed by anxiety consumed by anxiety fidgeting 
you know, tr- trying to, he was convinced that his parents were still alive and living down the hill and, um, and he would like jump the fence with his guitar, you know, like a, and he's a 75 year old man, you know, he was like, you mean literally, literally. Yeah. Literally. yeah. And he, to go see them, to yeah. go see them. We had to like chase him. Wow. And, um, anyway, so, so we, Carrie had the idea to, uh, to maybe give him a little bit of... I believe weed is, fixes everything. I'm one of those people. <laughs> there is there's a dark version of this, a dark comedy where you take the pills and you all run down the hill because you're all so stoned. You're like, you're right. We got to get them. <laughs> it's dark. Oh, God, would you please it's write dark, that? It's dark, but it's funny. Could you please, let's just, just write it. We'll workshop it after this. That's a thing. We just made a great movie. But he... Uh, so... You know, we uh, we kind of like I forget how we gave it to him. You know, with his pills or whatever. And um, I took some, and Wade maybe didn't take some. My brother. And um, anyways, and we just kind of were hanging out in the living room, and then my dad starts telling these. He like starts telling stories, but the words don't make any sense. You know, it's just like. Uh, he starts to say something and then he starts laughing so hard that he's crying. You know, mm. he's just everything that he had to say was the funniest thing that he couldn't even get it out. <laughs> and, uh, and my mom is like, has this like kind of, Oh God, look on her face. And, um, and then me and Wade, my brother started to, we are trying to talk to him and interact with my dad. And we're all just like, losing it because he can't we don't have no idea what he's saying yes and um but he's having the like he's just these outbursts of laughter that we hadn't seen in years you he's know been just sitting on the couch staring in space for for months at this point and he used to be a really funny guy he was like um he was bizarre funny like he, he loved letterman before i knew and you guys played Letterman. But yes. Fucking A. Before we could understand, you know, how, like, the bizarreness and beauty that was Letterman, you know, my dad yes. was into the, the weirdness of it. Yes. And then we grew up watching Conan, and that was, like, our awesome, weird, you know, yes, this is my guy. Yeah. And, um, but he, he was just in the moment, just, like, tears were streaming down his face, and he was laughing so hard, and he couldn't. You know, it wouldn't even. I don't know if he was making actual words at the at the time. It was just like mm. a few words, and then just eruption into laughter, mm. and we were all peeing our pants, laughing. Yeah. It was he the was funniest. so free for a moment, you know, and it was annoying. You know, he was like stoner, like a new. Whenever somebody's stoned for the first time and they're not cool, and all the people around them are annoyed. Dad, be cool. My mother-in-law <laughs> was definitely like, you know what? I know that he's probably feeling good, and that this is funny. And he's laughing, but this is a really annoying version of his personality that I, this is, it's already challenging enough to live with this crazy person who's changed, who used to be my super hot husband and is now like yeah. a lunatic. And now he's a giggling, yeah. raving lunatic. That's yeah. Like, but it, yeah. She was. But you said it, he's free. He was free. He was free. Like he's we free want things moment. to make sense and we want things, we want to laugh for reasons and we want to. You know, like we learn that when we're kids, don't be amazed by everything, be amazed by amazing things and yeah. then you'll be cool, you know, but like your dad got into that place where everything was funny 
And everything was probably amazing. His disease was funny. It's, it was you could tell he was laughing at the situation because he couldn't remember. Yeah, he was like, "Are you kidding me? Is I that felt, what you were going to say?" I felt like he was there. Like he I was like, it. "This is ridiculous. Yes. I cannot speak." He got the cosmic. I joke. am not able yeah. to remember yeah. anything, and yeah. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, but I feel safe enough to laugh about it. But it, it seemed funny. I'm for totally a projecting my own. I thing, think but. you're nailing it. I think it was that's that's exactly what was going on, and we all were just like. You know, we were having joy eruption mm. at the same time because, you know, there's like just relief in watching him. Just of course, like, I'm uh, relieved. Loose. I didn't know this man except that he's good looking and a great dad. Yeah, and I'm relieved by this story. Ramdas, now it's a you made it weird, but Ramdas has the story about being with his mother uh, when she was dying, and he would he would take like mescaline or something like a, a hallucinogen and hang out with her because it really. I think I'm projecting, but he doesn't really expound on that. But I think it was so he could like really be really free with her and just mm-hmm. be really present Open with her to the- and think it was beautiful. Like he, he talks about the doctors would all come in and be like, she'll, uh, she, everything's fine. Everything's looking fine. And then they'd leave and they'd be like, she's going to be dead in 24 hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he wanted to not deny it. He didn't want to sugarcoat it. He just wanted to sit with her. So he would take something like that, which even to me, even as much as I love round outs, that's a little out of my pay grade. I don't think I could do that, but he right. was doing that. And then he was, and it's very funny when he tells the story, he's like, I'm on mescaline. She was on morphine and we got to this place where we were both just staring at each other and just like blissed out. Of course, drugs were a part of that, but it helped them like stop resisting right they didn't resist what was going on mother son cycle it's almost like the like they're right back when she gave him birth and she's he's laying in her arms and they're looking at each other's eyes and they're nursing and that whole thing well that's what they say that my baby is on lsd basically and based on how she behaves i totally get it and having taken lsd i sort of feel like a better parent for a baby because i know what she's into like i know what she's about i know how to trip sit somebody so i'm trip sitting my baby (laughs) i'm like you want to lick on this ice cube like i I get it like i'm like yeah this is fucking crazy right so he was doing that with their mother his mother and then the next day he would be like wasn't that beautiful but because you know we're we're western and we're critical and stuff she's like i was on drugs I was on drugs. I was, that wasn't beautiful. I was yeah. doped out of my mind. They gave me morphine. Oh, he was like, yeah. what a shame. So what I'm saying is, even though there was some resistance to your father experiencing this bliss, because you couldn't tie it to a anecdote someone told, or he couldn't communicate what specifically he was laughing at. So the brain doesn't accept it, but the heart can go, fucking hey your dad had some coconut oil and these little things that you made for him and you tested for him and you went to that place karate kicks what it is is like 360 karate kicks over the grand canyon and you break a board in the air and then land in the river and you survive that's how cool that is marry me <laughs> that's what i want i want someone i want kids as loving as you to sneak me sneak me so if my if, if leela if you hear this and your dad is uh, in a hospital bed you know what to do hanging out next to the portal together you know that's fucking a right you hear those stories about babies and dying people being in a room and their eyes are looking around the room at something that only they can see i'm like you're goddamn right, aliens. What I mean by aliens is you're goddamn right. We don't know what's going on yeah. here. But it's horrible and it's magnificent mm-hmm. and it's both. And if you can say yes to both, even though one of those things isn't going to feel good, then you're in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And I, not 
and being and just being okay with with all of it the way that it is like i don't know i'm still working on not being afraid to die you shouldn't, didn't think i was afraid but now that i have littles i am again <coughs> totally but, um, littles yeah rugrats i mean yours is so cute your baby i'm it's, sorry to derail a, it, but just, <coughs> they are so fascinating these babies no, are so and biologically great. i'm very and i should be Ramdas would say play the game you know what i mean when we're grieving he says grieve mm. don't be fake I'm attached to my baby, but being consciously unconscious is better than just being unconscious. You know what I mean? Like I could go like my baby is the same molecules as everything. And it's all just one thing, thing itself. And the cup is already broken and everybody's already dead. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. all just stories we tell in our minds that create suffering. Sure. Also, I'll, burn down the whole goddamn world for her and that's okay yeah, that's right. beautiful you know like you're still a, gonna have to f- have an argument about whether she can have marshmallows before or after her nap time that's right doesn't matter that mm-hmm. c- that conversation's coming for you man we can know everything that we need to know and still have the marshmallow game <laughs> and still enjoy it and still enjoy it mm-hmm. yeah but val and i have that too where we're like holy shit for all the work we do on non-attachment we sure are attached to each other we sure are attached to baby lee and when I think about dying, you know, David Nickturn was saying dying is like being on a raft going out into the ocean. You just get further and further and further and further. So all the non-attachment work is to actually learn how to say yes to your own death, saying yes to what is, including your own death, mm-hmm. which is fucking difficult when we live in a world and with all these other people that are constantly selling us the story that you should, you're supposed to resist it, resist it, resist it, resist it. And I'm not saying don't fight it, don't treat it, don't cure it, don't be healthy, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But when it comes time to it, I hope in that moment, even with kids, I can go, this is what is. And I don't want to go out. I don't want to mm-hmm. go out tense. I, I, it's almost like you were saying you want to feel your grief. When I'm at my best, I'm like, I'd like to experience, I'd like to be the universe being afraid of dying. And then I'd like to be the universe going, it's okay. You know, the, the wave's getting sucked back into the ocean. Mm-hmm. The vase is being broken and the air is going back into the atmosphere. Yeah. That's the attitude that we should have for death. Yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> if you beat us there, let us know. But you know what? I, obviously, the joke is I won't be able to let you know how it goes. But how you, how you brush your teeth is how you die. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. Aggressively and suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Once a day. Aggressively. <laughs> I've, I've been once a day for years. Dude. I think twice a day is a fallacy. <laughs> Fuck off. Once, one good one a day. Right. Like a good one. A yeah. good one. One good one a day. When you're alert and everything, it could be, yeah, at your most alert. Yes. That's right. I, but, but how you, I've been, <clears throat> I have something in my throat, but it's like, when you're on a plane and it's delayed and it's going to Hawaii and you're, and you're angry, the beach won't save you. Like, that's how you're going to be on the beach. And that's a Richard Rohr point, too. Uh, we sort of came at it independently. I love, we think similar about stuff. It's like you're going to get to the beach and, and the people next to you are going to be too loud or the water is going to be colder than you want. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. how you do it is how you do it. And even though I can't report on how I die, I can report on how I brush my teeth. And on my better days... I'm right there with you, Michael, going like, fucking feel the bristles. Be <laughs> the universe brushing its teeth. Yes. Love that. Isn't that good? You know, when you have two <clears throat> littles and you get a good toothbrush in and you really are, you are, you, that is an easier place for me to envision finding like my moment of bliss than like 
a lot of other places because it is a personal moment of stillness. Yeah. Michael's been, you know, when you're talking about working exercising back into your routine, which he is firmly established and I'm trying to like, I'm getting there. You know, after you have the baby, you're supposed to wait a long time, mm. and then you spo- get, and then you're supposed to get back and transform back into the t- body you had when you were in your twenties. Well, that's what Vidal Sassoon wants us to do. I pick a hair company. That's what Vidal Sassoon and Larry and Arman wants us to believe that. That is a two-hour callback. What I'm saying is. That's fucking nonsense. It's nonsense. You supposed to have a, have the body that you had before your baby is like you know men getting whatever. hair plugs and dyeing their hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> or or Ramdas would say painting green leaves red. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just like what? Be healthy, but yeah. that that is a story that somebody. You look great, by the way. That is. I feel I'm great, saying. man. I'm like so happy. Good. But um, I can't remember, what was I even saying? Right, you're saying that it's easier for you to think that you could find your bliss. Oh yeah. Besides team. taking that like time for exercise and meditation, and having the routine and the space, it's like those little moments of like when when my teeth are brushed, getting brushed, and Louis's teeth are both getting, and everybody's teeth yeah. are brushed. That is bliss, dude. I can't <laughs> imagine. I have such a hard time brushing my own teeth if I have to get Leela. Her f- first tooth is coming in. That's the biggest oh, pain in the ass of being a I'm parent so far is the responsibility of brushing the stupid teeth. They're gonna fall out in two. In, yeah, those are garbage. You, can, teeth. you get another round of teeth. It's to a worry rental. About. Those are rentals. <laughs> That's the Hertz teeth. Yeah, <laughs> those are the enterprise. Drive teeth. them like dude, a stolen yeah. kid. Don't even yeah. get the insurance. No, just eat the marshmallow before and after your after, nap, and and let them really stick up in there while you sleep. That's just right. let the marshmallows really sit in there. Your grown-up teeth are rentals too. Sorry, too deep. <laughs> I think it's right in line. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm coming to LA the next time I get here. It's going. I'm gonna get all the teeth. I'm gonna go to. Are oh, you gonna get fake teeth? I'm gonna get. You cap your teeth? I think so. No, it's never gonna. I'm never gonna do anything. I am. I, I is what I is. But it is. It was. It is kind of interesting. Like that is when that is available. That's on the menu here. as a culturally accepted. I don't know. Upgrades seem to be uh, an afterthought. You know, like nobody will look twice at you for having a fake tan or capped teeth. No. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Does living in the South help you stay a little bit more? Or is, I'm projecting. I'm like, oh, that must be great. You guys have chickens and stuff. Like you. No, you know, it's very we where we live is the salt of the earth. Like, yeah. There we're, are. We're out in the woods a little bit, and it's like it is. There's so many rich, bougie people everywhere. Like Charleston is full of like bougie, bougie, bougie people of all makes and models. Right. Where we, where is their money from? Is there like an industry that's like, or is people moving generational there? wealth? Yeah. yeah, old money, old A money, terribleness. You guys got that old. Money. <laughs> but does it keep you more grounded? I, I think so. That's I, a weird question. I asked Seth David that, and he was like, "Well, I'm the last person that I would speak on my own character." Who said that? <laughs> Seth David. I love I him. Like, that is a very like, Seth David. He was like, say. "Well, I, I'm the last person to speak on my own character." <laughs> that is classic. I've seen him since, oh. and we laughed about that. I was like, "That is that was like the most it, somehow it was rock and roll to just be like." You want me to talk about whether or not living in the South keeps me grounded? Like, how would I know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in L.A. would be like, yeah, you know, I think summering in Malibu does keep me a little more balanced. Yeah. I've lost my way. <laughs> Will you help me? I'm just kidding. It's actually, in a way, it's the opposite. Not, not to be a no-but person, but like, 
there's a duality about living in the South, like especially if you're leftist, free thinking, pinko, commie, quasi, you know, like if you're anything that's not waspy, Anglo, Christian, yeah, or like obviously there's all different walks of life, but there's like a certain there's a certain tradition of which we don't need to speak that is like insufferable about living there. Yeah. And you kind of feel like when you're living there, one reason that you continue to stay is so that the whole place just doesn't go to complete shit because all the, Oh, you're keeping the fire alive. I'll try and sometimes I want to pack it up and move it to France and just be done with it all. But that's funny, but it, but you it want does, to be on a Vespa so bad. I just want to be in a place that's just not exhausting, like culturally exhausting all the time. I have to imagine, I mean, uh, I didn't assume anything about you guys, but you do seem like a little bit more L.A. <laughs> in those in those thinking ways. Mm-hmm. So when you're having conversations there, you might have to be a little bit more delicate. You don't want to step on anybody's toes. Or or you do step, or you just do want to step fun. on their toes. Did, <laughs> did you touch my van? That's, <laughs> that's you. That's you. It's like, oh, are we celebrating the Confederacy today? Is that what we're doing? Oh, are we going to have when that shot, conversation? When we shot in Charleston, I had such a hard time. We shot the finale of uh, Crashing in Charleston. I know, because it was so exciting that you went to Martha Lou's. I was like, he went to Martha Lou's. We Lose. did go to Martha Lou's, and I'm a vegan, and I had a little of the chicken. It's okay. Deal with it. You had a little of who? The chicken. I'm oh. judging you. Yeah, don't judge. It was a prop. You know what it is? I'll break vegan sometimes if they're going to throw it away. Because I'm like, this is a prop. No one else is going to touch it. Petey's going to take a little sneaky bite. <laughs> and he did, because it's garbage. Yeah, this chicken died funny. to be in a TV show and then thrown away. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Body it's of hard. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start saying that, too. What? Fuck you, man. Body of Christ. <laughs> when, when, when things are wasteful like that. Did I do something bad over here? I saw a light come on and turn Oh, on. did the batteries die? That's the backup. The backup. Oh, okay. How cool. It got the first three hours. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, man. Body of Christ. That is a good shirt. That's a good t-shirt. Fuck you, man. Body of Christ. And then you eat the sneaky chicken. <laughs> I was. I don't eat... I, I almost never eat meat, but the last time I had chicken also was because I was in a fancy green room, and it was some fancy place that had like the best chicken fingers in the world, and we were leaving, and it was all just being thrown out in front of me, and I was like, fuck you, man. Body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> I took a little bite of the chicken. You did the right thing. I didn't regret it. <laughs> I didn't regret it. I regretted it gastronaut. Yeah, why are our bodies stop being adjusted to eating meat so fast? Uh, well, that's a good question. I don't know. We have one stomach, yeah. and that s- suggests that maybe we're supposed to eat meat. I don't know. Uh, maybe but a then, little bit, but not as much as we all eat, Oh, obviously. God help us. We are fucked. Yeah. All right, Toasty Boasties. Should we get out of here? Um. Yeah, we. I feel good. Yeah. We can talk. Oh yeah, we can talk anytime. Yeah, but we can also <laughs> we can yeah we can we can pick it up. I think the next time that you come to Charleston, y'all should definitely like hit us up so we could play babies. Yeah, and we'll, play babies. And we'll draw and we'll show you some. Cool well, Val and, and I were watching the movie, and Val was like, "I have to be friends, especially." Sorry, sorry not my no, but she was like, yeah. Carrie Ann. She was like, "This is my person." Mm-hmm. I know. I love to be. I like to be people's person. You seem like that kind of person. Mm. Well, let's let's do this because we seem like we're in a nice flow, uh, even though we're done. Can you tell me a great lesson about writing a song? What's the greatest lesson that you wish someone had told you um, about writing a song that you could tell all the people out there sucking on a pick, looking at a blank page? 
forgive yourself in advance on the page and just <laughs> forgive yourself in advance. I, Fuck you, man. Body Christ. I would. Uh, I would That's say good. Because it's going to suck, right? I mean, it might suck. It might suck. Who cares? I would say show up. Show up to the page. You know, I feel like that's a, uh, I don't know. I might have read that in a The Artist Way Mm -hmm. or something like that. But um, you're not. Jeff Tweedy said it too in his book. You're definitely not going to get anything done if you don't show up. Yes. And um, Well, that's why you said you have that designated area. That's your creative space. That's what this room is for Mm -hmm. me. I don't just hang out in here. Do you ever just movies on that? computer do you ever have nothing specific to do but you that's like your creative time you're gonna just go enter in and try to come up with something oh like i go in and it's just creative time you're you're just like i have an intention to create something i have done that i wish i did that more like it would be great to just come back here and just go like just listen instead of trying to will something into existence. We both, all three of us, Katie, all four of us know that there are things just bubbling. I just meant to include you, not to get you to listen. Uh, no, no, I know you're listening, but I wasn't like, Katie, heads up. We all have stuff that's bubbling back there. Are you kidding? You, I created, directed, shot, and scored hours of colorful, vivid, psychologically disturbing, and sometimes delightful dreams last night that I had nothing to do with, that had no planning, no foresight, and they were epic. Your subconscious has, the ideas are in there. Mm -hmm. So giving yourself that space, I wish I did it more. I wish I was just like, I'm not going to try and like clench something out. Right. Just like let it show up. That happens a lot when I'm I'm writing, though. Like I told you with that Simpsons script, I would write a joke or a scene or something, and I was like, that scene is perfect. And I would think about how it came about. And I was like, for no reason I wrote this joke and then it led to this cutaway and then it led to this random thing and then it led to this joke that I'm like, that's a perfect joke. And I'm like, I don't even know. I didn't even feel involved. Right. You ever get that feeling? Oh, yeah. I wasn't involved. All my best work, I have nothing to do that's with it. That's what I mean. I, and I was a fan of it. I, I'll take pictures of it and text it to my friends and be like, look at this. Yeah. And that might seem absurd, but I'm like, it would be absurd if I did it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just there. Does a pipe, you know, give you a shower? He's just carrying the water. <laughs> Does a pipe give you a shower? <laughs> Fuck you, man, body. <laughs> <laughs> What about what's a great lesson you've learned about show business, like the business aspect of being a musician? <sighs> Something you wish you knew when you were just spoons and twine. Not not to be not to put all your your eggs in their basket, I guess. Like you got entertainment Don't put business. All your eggs in their basket. Yeah, like Karate they kick. they have they have a skill set and an agenda, and, and you mean per- labels and agents? Yeah, and or just the that. entertainment industry. Like you know, everybody has a skill set and an agenda, and we're you know in a healthy showbiz environment, finding each other's talent set and networking to create. You know, this there's a project, and you're bringing this, and I'm bringing this. You're distribute like you know we're making some music, and you're going to distribute, and you're going to tell everybody about it. Everybody's doing their job, and it's a beautiful ballet, and everybody's interested and excited but it's not like a big you know nobody's throwing five hundred thousand dollars at marketing nobody's it's all very by the 
bootstraps. Let's get it done. And I think mm-hmm. that's like a beautiful thing, and we're lucky to have that. But I think the lesson about the music industry or any entertainment industry is like it is business. It is for profit. You're going to create something that's really precious to you. And you're going to, once you're done creating it, once it's in its little box and you give it to the distribution model, you know, to a certain degree, it's, it's out there. If you're, if you're going to try to use that to make a living, you're going to have to participate in certain structures and, and then, and then that it's okay to do that. Bo Burnham said that to me. I was talking about press. He was like, I was talking about how tiring it can be. And he was like, if you love it, do it. If you love the thing you made get the word out like it's okay you're not like a whore you're not a sellout get the word out about that thing that you guys made in your back house it's okay mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. maybe also say. don't use it to you know like you are not your art you, know, you don't have to if somebody's you don't have to use it as a part of the building blocks of your own self-esteem or whatever you know like if it's a thing you made it's a thing you made and it's not uh you know if it's if it gets terrible reviews or whatever, it's not, it, don't it's not take personal. it so personally. Yeah, it's not personal. Why should everybody love everything that we do? <laughs> yeah. I had to let, yeah. be weird if they did. Yeah. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time working on accepting and even accepting and being at peace with that. That people won't always like what we do. One of my shortcomings, it may not be a real short, but I really do. One of those kind of like love needy people and that for me has brought me a lot of peace to be able to relax and not um and not internalize everything mm. that people people like every mean tweet and there's probably been like four in our career honestly like we're right. kind of universally accepted if not you know if we're not beloved we're generally like not offending a whole lot of people with what we're doing right but it seems you know if you ever find that one mean thing and undoes all of your confidence, like over trying to overcome that and day to day being pretty good at keeping that at bay has been really great for me. Personally. It sounds like you and I both struggle with like letting in enough love to keep us going, but you can't, you can't, it can't be your, your light. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You got to get that from yourself. Yeah. yeah. If people love what you do, that can be helpful. It is helpful. It feels good to see it. I mean, it's, honestly, when you, when you crack it open, you got the blue dot there. You're like, somebody added us. I want to see what the, what, you know, there's a temptation to be like, what's, uh, how'd we do last night? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah. but I don't know. It's, it feels, it's like Carrie's saying, you can go, um, you know, you can have a, a hundred people say that they, that they liked it or they enjoy themselves. And then one person say something that's halfway disparaging and it will just, you know, well that Richard Rohr, man, he goes when with praise, we're like Teflon and with negative stuff, we're like Velcro. And that's, ha- it's not just artists or creative people. That's everybody for some reason in our physiology. It's just, it's how the brain works. It'll obsess on the negative. It'll stick. Mm-hmm. And you, and he's like for something positive to really actually get in He's like, and th- there's science behind this. You have to sit with it for a minimum of like 30 seconds and like contemplate it and be like, that is beautiful. But a negative one, you can read it once and it'll just like a burr on your sock. I'm trying to tie it into the south. You walk through a field and there's burrs. And- Nobody wears socks, man. We don't wear socks. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have burrs? You don't have burrs. 
Do you? We have sand birds in Colorado. Sand yeah, birds. for sure. Like, don't you got to be careful walking Wait. around the beach because some of the plants that hold the sand in place have little burrs on them. Sand spurs, boy. They got sand spurs. Thicket. Thicket. They got a barb on them. Hard to get out of your foot. Well, Michael, if you're you're from Denver, I'm from Denver. But now was, you're like honorary South. Well, I was uh, I was born in Houston. My whole family's from uh, Texas and Louisiana. All my brothers and sister are a good bit older than me. Um, Ten years is the the closest. And then, um, so they mostly grew up out there. And then when I was two or three, moved to Colorado. Oh, okay. So I, I was like, you know, honorary Texan. I earned it because uh, the kids at school were like, Making fun of my parents' bumper stickers and stuff, you know, like <laughs> which ones? <laughs> just like God bless Texas, and <laughs> you know, my dad wore a, like a whole other country. He, he wore a cowboy hat on the slopes, you know. He's one of those <laughs> guys. <laughs> Literally, the whitest thing you can do: the snow and the cowboy hat and the man. But uh, yeah, so I moved to. I wasn't sniffing. You're like asking Eminem if he's really from. Eight mile. You know what I mean? Like you're you're doing this music, you know? Or no, can I'm you? Just... <laughs> Are you allowed? Uh, what about a great lesson you've learned about marriage? I mean, you're ten years in. You got two little ones, and you you have a more exceptional and potentially demanding job, more personal job than other people. And you guys seem to love each other, and that's beautiful. Yeah. What's, what's going on? What's a great lesson you've learned about marriage? I think. Uh, I mean, it's, it seems obvious, but communication, we have, we have to talk about everything. It's not like we don't even have the option to not talk about things because um, we live together and work together and have, you have business together so and raise kids together. Out, keep it open. You've got to keep, keep it open. And, you know, some um, other relationships, you know, like the, like, the couple gets up and they see each other in the morning and then they both go to work and then have their day and then they can see each other at night and, um, you know, maybe not talk about anything, um, not, not share a whole lot and not air a whole lot. And with us, you know, there were times, especially van days where it was like, we were getting used to being a t- this two headed monster and there was a lot of ego shedding happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had to be like, I know this sounds really wrong of me to say or egotistical of me to say or just like I this is a part that I don't like about myself but I have to tell Dude, you that's that's a great tip. I have to show you this and just explain how I'm feeling. Dude, being able to dissociate from your personality and your brain to dispassionately communicate what's happening in that personality and that brain. I say that to Val all the time. We talk forgive me but I've said it before. I was like, I go, I'll be ranting about something. Like you guys were ranting about that gig that sucked. And I'll go, I'm just being angry for fun. Or if you really want to up level it, you go, Pete's being angry. You know what I mean? <laughs> or you, or last night I just go, Val, I don't like this about myself, but I want to tell you some of the weird shallow feelings I was having today while I scrolled through Twitter. And then she just goes like, we can both talk about the idea and the story of Pete without Pete getting his feelings hurt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That that seems like healthy therapy. 
that feels like a, a very healthy tool. So I think that's, you said $108 in LA, that's $10,000 mm-hmm. in therapy. Well, it's lovely that she can say, <laughs> getting a deal that Val can say, it's all good. You know, like I love you. You, we can, you know, tell me, show that's you right. can show me this. Th- it's like this you guys with you. the song. Are you kidding? That goes on the album. That's what Val does to me all the time. She goes, are you kidding? That goes on the album. <laughs> she says yes to it. That's what mm-hmm. love is. Love is yes. Mm-hmm. We can work on it. We cannot resign to it. I go, Val, I, I'm feeling possessive about you or whatever. And, and we'll talk about that. And then, she'll, and then she'll even be like, I like that you're possessive about me or whatever. And, yeah. and we'll talk about Val. <laughs> it's just, it's nice to be able to depersonalize. That's all. Yeah. Good tip. This is a good tip. Let's My mom... A famous marriage therapist who I don't know what it is, but I, my mom said it and it stuck to me. It's two things. The first thing is that a man, a, a couple, uh, the success of a relationship is like based on the partner's willingness to be influenced by the other. Something to that effect. Like mm. um, it works because each partner is willing to listen and be influenced by the other one instead of being really hard lined like that's why you married them is because they've got some skill set you don't have or some right. biological puzzle piece that fits to you so right let those pieces work together don't and, build a dam build a river yeah. yeah and the other thing is that you have the power to control how you react to things and you can't really control how the world reacts or what the world does but you can Decide how you're going to react. That's right. And so I spent, try, you know, that's a nice, just in life, but definitely, you know, in marriage, I tend to, my first instinct is to, unfortunately, make it about if me, like Michael's having a tough day, he's clearly upset about something, and my very first instinct is, what have I done? What did I do to make him be this way? And it's very selfish, kind yeah. of, it's immediately making whatever is upsetting him about me. But it's less personal. Yeah, but you can like knowing that you do that and separating yourself from it. And that's right. Carrie's being, Carrie's thinking it's about her. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie is having an issue. Yeah, I'm, I like I like this. I like it's good. I like talking like this. Yeah. It's just don't believe your your thoughts. You're observing them somewhere deep inside. You're observing your personality <laughs> and your thoughts as well. So let's both get in that space and talk about my personality. <laughs> Uh, and the problems we have with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, that is good. Because it's not who you really are. No. We just get lost in it. So we can be, and we can be the same way with criticism about our art or whatever. It's not easy, but that's the game we're playing is to try and stay in the, the dispassionate, detached, healthy, real place that goes, look at Pete. He's being an asshole. Yeah. Sitting around in our meat bags. Oh, my God. Our, our little... Our life, our spirit stars floating around in this meat bag, I got, just taking up space. <laughs> I got that from Nirvana Unplugged because they play a Meat Puppets song, and I say Meat Puppets all the time. Oh, yeah. It's a great band name. Yeah. yeah. Meat Puppets. There's another band name that I was like, oh, shit. There's a lot of band names that are like surprisingly deep when you think about them. I can't remember what they are. It doesn't matter. Candlebox? Candlebox. A candle cannot burn in a box. There's no oxygen. I was trying to help box. you out with that one. Honey. We're kind of candle boxes, though. Like your soul, your spirit, yeah. your inner light. Listen. All right. Enough. Now we're good. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, it is hot. I definitely, there's going to be a warm, moist <laughs> spot. Yeah. No, I understand. Get up from here. This couch has seen worse. What's up?
the earthquake you, food. Oh, that's it. Okay. I knew. Okay. You're it's a no. You're good. You, pre- preparedness. You're, we're we're prepared. We're not quite because we evacuate, but you can't evacuate for an earthquake because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. And you know what's weird? I sometimes feel like the way that California could explode at any moment is sort of like how we all feel in our bodies. Like our bodies could have earthquakes. Like I've never been able to make this work on stage when I'm like, people say they're afraid of planes because planes could crash. I'm like you're in a plane right now. Like you're always, you're never not being carried around by something yeah. that could malfunction. Yeah. And that's not to make you paranoid. That's to make you surrender and just go like, you're never in control on a plane, off a plane in California, not we're always in this California mm-hmm. and that's okay. <laughs> Like you can't like oh, we could live in the most safe state, like statistically the most safe state. Fewest this, fewest this, fewest this. No natural this, this, then this. You're still in a natural thing that could become a disaster, and that's not a flaw. It's the game. It's, <laughs> it's the clock on the basketball game, and it's there to give the whole thing juice. Yeah. All right. Oh my god. Let's smoke weed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Would you guys say keep it crispy however you want? I mean, you can do it together. You can do it one at a time. How do you want to do this? This is like the moment we've been waiting for for so long. You can do a couple takes if you Let's want. Let's do it together. I think that we should shoot for one take. One take. Capture the wild animal. Let's do it. <laughs> one, two. Keep, keep it, it crispy. crispy. <laughs> You couldn't see how they were looking at each other, but that was a great keep it crispy. <laughs> I feel like you guys are going to make a third after that keep it crispy. I better not. <laughs> you can, somebody, I'm going to give it to one of my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you.